It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. Tonight's tale of terror comes from the Trick or Treaters podcast. Join them as they journey into the horrifying unknown. <laughs> you are listening to the Trick or Treaters podcast, part of the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Movie reviews, horror news, and all the gory details. Listen if you dare. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Trick Treaters Podcast. I am your host, Kyle, and as always, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, JR. JR, uh, it's another, it's a week where we're talking about one of your, one of your all-time favorite f- uh, franchises. Uh, I'm excited. I know you're excited. It's a great week where we're both seeing Halloween kills this week, and I know we're both excited. So, uh, how are you doing today, buddy? Well, you know, as we're recording in the in the middle, the night before Halloween kills drops. You know, we're Wednesday, October thirteenth, and this is the week that we've been talking about for. A number of weeks. I mean, going back to you know, I remember doing the countdown. Where we started talking about twenty weeks out, and it started with us being able to see the twenty fifth anniversary of Scream on Sunday. Uh, yesterday, Tuesday, October twelfth, the series debut of Chucky that was simulcast on Sci Fi USA Network, and now we're here uh, with tomorrow is Halloween Kill. So, so far, it's been a great week in of horror and uh, hopefully to finish strong as we continue on with Halloween kills and then it leads into some more series debut with I know what you did last summer uh TV show on Prime and then sci-fi's uh additional series Day of the Dead and um Summer Party Massacre. Yeah, it's a it's a great week, man. Uh we'll talk about all that in just a minute because we of course uh had to have a, a guest on this episode it was too big to just do just it, it, it was too big of an episode to just have just us talking so uh i brought on a good friend of mine uh from the sounds sounds from the grave podcast my good friend yusuf yusuf how are you doing today buddy i'm doing great thank you i'm i'm honored to to be on here it's uh i think it was only my second time being a, a guest on any podcast so i'm excited oh wow well it's it's gonna be a fun one uh i guess we'll talk about uh uh all we did this week before we we jump into the to the movie uh i know me and jr both saw uh scream in theaters for the 25th anniversary uh how was your how did your screening go jr you know, it was good. We had we had a pretty decent crowd. I think the theater was about half full. You know, with this is the uh, third time I've done a like a anniversary screening of a film. They're kind of hit and miss. You know, anytime you have a special attraction, you just don't know what the, you know, how it's going to the the turnout's going to be. Uh, but there, I could tell there was a lot of 
Scream fans. Uh, there was a lot of Scream t-shirts in the crowd. I saw a few. Uh, I think they snuck them in. Um, and but there was a few Scream ma- Scream masks, Ghostface masks. Um, unfortunately, due to that terrible tragedy that occurred almost a decade ago in Aurora, Colorado, where they had the the shooting during the Dark Dark Knight Rises um, uh, premiere. Our local movie theaters here, and I think a number of chains um, across the, across America, they started outlawing um, costumes and masks and paint um, for security and safety reasons, which is completely understandable. It's it's unfortunate that one uh, horrendous human being uh, that took the lives of innocent people, um, you know, had led to that. Um, just a terrible tragedy so but like i said there was people that you know that did bring in some masks and there was some i saw somebody wearing some like custom acrylic uh earrings that one was like one was ghost face and then the other one was uh drew barrymore's character that was kind of cool so it was a, it was a good experience and one of the things that was unique i at the last minute uh convinced my wife to come with me she's not big into horror she's actually not a fan of horror at all and i say hey come with me i think you'll enjoy the movie so that was she had never seen scream before so her first time seeing scream was in a movie theater and i was really jealous because i was as i was watching the film and i've seen it at least probably 25 times since it came out you know i just was like kind of in the moment mesmerized like man you know just this film that was digitally mastered in 4k this amazing surround sound like it's just a very awesome experience to see such a great film uh that was you know directed and produced you know very well and um i just kind of wish that that was like my first time seeing it because i feel like when you get to a situation where you had like a jump scare or you had a situation where you know like the killer reveals themselves it'd been like you know you, you would like lose it and so, but I find myself thoroughly entertained by the characters of uh, Randy and Stu throughout the film. I was just, I think by the end of it, I was like, you know, I wish Stu survived and we could bring him back somehow because I would love to see him in another screen movie. Yeah, uh, my, yeah, like the, the, uh, seeing screen, like screen film all time favorite uh, movies and uh, seeing it in a theater has always been like a bucket list item for me. And so I finally got to cross that off my list when I saw it and so uh, it was something I was super excited about and and yeah just like you it's like when I, the more I was watching it uh, I guess the, I, I don't know if I just paying attention more or I did stall more because of it being in a movie theater but uh, uh, I, I just forgot like how great Stu is throughout because his antics are just, just some of the best things ever there's still the small old things he does but also, it's like I'm jealous of the people who saw it for the first time in the theater because it, it, that's just such an amazing movie just to see for the first time. And it's just like if you really like it, it, it it's so weird because like once you watch it and you know and you watch it again after knowing what you know, you can pick up on the smallest things that like it was so easy to tell who the killers were in, in the film like. There were just so many clues throughout. It was insane how 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 well they that they placed them without us like, right in front of our faces, without us really noticing. But yeah, it was. I was so excited to talk about, to to uh, to go see it. And then on top of that, uh, 
you know, we thought we were going to get the trailer for the new screen at uh, the anniversary screening, but that was kind of a mix-up on most of the fan bases in because there was an article that came out that said that it was going to be attached to it, but we forgot the little detail about it being only in London. And so we were all pleasantly, a lot of people were upset, but then we found out that they're dropping it. They dropped it on Tuesday and all three of us saw it on Tuesday. And I know we've freaked out about it like all day. Uh, I talked about it nonstop. Uh, I talked to you on the, I called you on the phone on my way to work, JR and, and uh, we chatted about it. And, uh, I know I talked to Yusuf about it. So uh, uh, that's a good segue into the next thing. Uh, let's just give our thoughts on talk about the trailer for a little bit. Uh, Yusuf, I want to throw it to you. Get your uh, your first mm-hmm. reaction. Uh, yeah, so my, my first reaction to that was, was honestly utter shock at first. Just because... The first thing we see, of course, is, is kind of like that throwback to the Drew Barrymore scene in the original. And I'm like, okay, this is good. I like that they're going with this. And, you know, it, after as the trailer kind of goes on, you get to look at, you know, the original characters and everything. But you, the thing that stuck out to me the most was probably how brutal Ghostface was in this movie. Like, he was, or they, she or he or she, they were sadistic in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially that scene where... Uh, I don't know who who they did it to. I think it may have been Jenna Ortega's character, who's at the start. Because uh, mm-hmm. I think you can it, you can see her uh, do it. He uh, it's that ghost face throws uh, throws uh, her character Tara as, as her name uh, in the movie uh, throws Tara down and stomps on her leg, essentially oh. probably breaking her leg. Jeez. I was just like, oh my god, and. <laughs> Uh, I love that uh, if you pause it and, and you, you go back and look, because uh, the Scream franchise has always done little homages to Halloween, because Kevin Williams had said it was pretty much a love letter to Halloween, uh, Scream was, when he wrote it. And so they've always done little tiebacks to Halloween. Well, in the opening trailer, the opening shot of the trailer, whenever uh, 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 Jenna or Ta- when, Ta- when Tara's backing up in the corner after the, all the doors unlock, uh, and she backs up to the corner. There's this like uh, hallway b- by the corner, and it's dark. And right as she hits the wall, you see Ghostface's uh, mask uh, appear in the dark before he, before the uh, Ghostface grabs her. And uh, uh, it was pretty much reminiscent of whenever uh, Michael shows up in the background, whenever Lori's up up behind a wall, and you just see his mask in the darkness. Yeah, that was that was really cool imagery as well. I, I did like seeing that. Yeah, uh, Jen Ortega, like I, I, she's been the, the talk of the trailer. Everybody couldn't get over how great how great uh, how great she was in the trailer and how her acting was on was just top notch. And I, I've been a fan of her for a while. Uh, I uh, I first uh, got introduced to Jen Ortega because I, uh, if y'all any of y'all watched it uh, or if y'all watch it. Because the new season starts Friday for season three, uh, I first got introduced to her on the Netflix show You. Uh, she, she's in season two, and uh, she had a great performance there. And so I've been a fan of her since watching that. And she recently, it was like earlier this year, she got uh, announced that she's playing Wednesday uh, Adams in the Wednesday Adams uh, uh, Netflix series that's coming out. 
so it's great seeing her uh get uh, in scream as well and looks like she's gonna have a pretty a pretty good part but yeah this this trailer there's just there's so much to there's just so much like like it's not a, you can't just watch it once because there's so much you, you'll catch if you just keep re-watching it like I, I no joke I watched it like 20 times the, the first day I watched it like multiple times back to back and then I would just throughout the day just put it on just watch it again and I'd watch trailer reactions or trailer breakdown videos of it and there's just so much going on but odd oh, man I just Ghostface just looks amazing and Everybody looks great. Uh, I mean, you got the OG cast back, well, the, the, the original tri- uh, trio and everybody, and God, it just looks great. And the uh, a new cast looks pretty cool. Oh, well, it looks like they're going to be good too. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing how they are. Yeah, um, I was just going to add. You know, one of the things I was doing um, as we were talking about it because I wanted to do some a little bit of research. One thing I noticed about this trailer is like it seemed very, um, for lack of a better word, dark. It seemed very, you know, brutal. Like this is, it seems like a straight horror film where I think we're used to with Scream, especially after watching the original Scream, there was a bit of, you know, there's comedy in it. And we've seen comedy in the first one, the second one, especially the fourth one. I was not a fan of the fourth one. I was so excited to see it. I just don't. The, the ending of it really killed it for me. There's a lot of aspects of it that I did not enjoy of the fourth one, uh, especially like the, the beginning and the ending just completely ruined that film for me. Um, but seeing kind of the way that the trailer went, and I know we've off there, we've talked about that there has already been information put out there that there's a lot of red herrings. There's been multiple drafts of the script. There's been multiple scenes that were shot, multiple endings to throw to make sure that it keeps people guessing how the film, like how the film is going to be. So that way when they get there, there's complete surprise. Um, but it just seems like it's more, more of a graphic, uh, sadistic type of killer that we have, which could lead to, I think a very dark, amazing scream sequel. Um, and that's what I'm excited for because as much as I love comedy, you know, there's comedic parts of horror, you know, Chucky has done amazing with some of the, some of the comedic parts and child's play. And that's progressed through uh bride of Chucky and cult of Chucky and things like that. And curse of Chucky and then the new TV series. But sometimes it's just really good to have just a straight, just dark horror film. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, to uh, it seems like it's just gonna be like a straight up slasher, and like I know we're used to more comedy and like meta moments in the screen franchise, but it seems that uh, a Radio Silence, the company uh, behind the film, is taking more of a action, uh, straight slasher horror aspect, which which I'm 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 happy for because uh, if you've never seen it, I highly recommend that they did the film Ready or Not. And after I watched Ready or Not, and I found out they were doing Scream, I knew that it was in good hands because Ready or Not was absolutely amazing. And uh, once I found out they were doing Scream, I just I was like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. I'll do good with it. And the trailer has me stoked. Uh, uh, how, how us all being fans of the original, uh, 
what, what went through your mind and how happy were you when you saw Stu's house in the trailer? Funny enough, I actually had to watch the trailer a few times before I even picked up on it, but when I finally did, I was like, oh my god. No. <laughs> I know, it's like, why are they back at Stu's house? Yeah. What and is going course, on? Part, part of me immediately goes to like, wait, maybe it's like a reenactment house. Yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah like somebody could, you know, kind of like a History Channel like special or something, and they do like the reenactments. Yeah. And, like, please don't let it be that, though. Like, I would, I would like it for it to be. It, yeah, because uh, they did that on uh screen three wasn't it where yeah they were like doing a movie yeah stop movies yeah th- they recreated sydney's house on on the at the studio yeah mm-hmm. yeah they actually recreated sydney's house and Stu's house as well yeah um one of the things i was gonna say though i if i'm not mistaken was it said when the whole when the film was announced that this was they were almost all but guaranteeing this was going to be the last sequel. No, uh, uh pretty much, uh, from my understanding, this is going to start a new, uh, four started a new trilogy because originally from, uh, research Wes Craven originally intended for scream to be six films. And apparently that's what they're doing. They're continuing on with that. Okay. Um, I just wonder if part of that going back, it's, you know, we, we talk about Scream 3, with the original trilogy, it was, you know, Randy's things that mentioned, you know, you got to go back to the original. And part of me is wondering if this was being done because who knows what's going to happen in this film. But if it's in a way like you're going back to the original to find some piece of information that could eventually lead to, you know, the ending of the story arc of Sydney and Dewey and Gail who are the, like the last three lone survivors of, yeah. of all, you know, the first, it, uh, which would be five films now. It, it seems a lot of the fan base seems to think that Dewey's going to die in this one. I, I really hope that's not true. <laughs> I, I, I do too, but like out of the original trio, he honestly seems to the most expendable uh, to me because like you can't have Ghostface kill Sydney, and I don't know if they would kill Gail. He seems to be the one that if they are going to kill one, it would probably be him. If, if they do decide to do it though, it's got to be like the most heroic, yeah, of sacrificial deaths. Yeah, like he deserves the world if he's going to die off like that. Yeah, but especially because he's get his ass kicked in every single film. Exactly. Like, oh my god! <laughs> in this trailer, does he not seem like really different? Like he, uh, like a, like it seems like this movie's a lot more serious. So like, yeah, because like Dewey, he does. He's not being funny. He's not making jokes. He's real like serious, and he's honestly, it seems he's taking a bit of a mentor like Randy role where he's telling the new group about all the rules and stuff well yeah if you go back and look at like if you look at the scream 4 trailer and the scream 3 trailer just those trailers alone and you see the way that that uh david arquette's character of dewey riley is presented it seems a little bit more of a comedic type role where this one he just seems like he's like an old-time 
like gunslinger just like and like he said when there's a line he says there in the film is like this one just seems different like he it's, it seems to him like not that the previous serial killers or the previous films were not bad but it's like he he the way he's presenting this case is like this is like the worst we've ever seen yeah but like my little theory about that is that maybe something happens probably close to the beginning of the movie or or they allude to something that might have happened you know in the time between four and five that like kind of hurt him emotionally or psychologically and he's just like kind of shut in kind of like similar to, to like jamie lee curtis and in halloween 2018 yeah uh, and uh, a lot of people also coming off what you said something that may have happened that may have like changed things is, uh a good point if you look whenever dewey is talking he looks to be in like a rundown apartment and uh some people have theorized that, that they think him and gail got divorced That's a strong possibility. You don't have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, and and because of uh, I think uh, I forgot who it was. Somebody said in the, in the trailer, uh, the, whoever is there, our link this uh, did this to bring us back here. So it it would indicate that either all of them or most of them don't live in Woodsboro anymore. Well, so, I, so in the I'm fourth one, the fourth one for sure. Uh, Sydney does not live in Woodsboro, yeah. yes, and uh, and Dewey was the the sheriff of Woods of Woodsboro, and Gail was there, and she had writer's block. Um, that's what I remember from from it. Yeah. Uh, but man, that that ending though was the greatest thing ever. You get you get all these awesome uh, quick shots of just. Uh, uh, that seemed like really traumatic scenes, and then all of a sudden you hear, you see Sydney. Uh, I believe I believe it's at Stu's house, and you hear Ghostface go do the do the hello Sydney. It's an honor, and then he and then it, uh, then he swings his knife, and it goes to the the scream logo, which, like I said, uh, they've already said uh, they've already said that uh, I saw where people in who did the movie uh, did an article for bloody discussion, bloody discussion. And they said that if you see things in the trailer, and you think you have things figured out. You, you probably don't. So for anyone who like may have like be worried that the trailer is showing too much. Uh, I don't think they, I don't think it is. I'm pretty sure it's all going to throw us off. That's, and that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. But, uh, uh, besides, you know, scream trailer yesterday, uh, we won't talk about like what happened in the episode because Yusuf hasn't got to watch it yet. But yes, yesterday we got the premiere of Chucky on that was uh, casted, uh, simultaneously casted on Sci-Fi and and USA Network. And uh, I know me and Jr. both watched it. Uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I, I, I really like the, these new characters. Uh, it, it did a great job of kind of bringing in new characters, but also uh, uh, keeping old characters uh, that have they've grown and known as well. And uh, I think, it, and uh, it, and it was a really fun show. It it, it, uh, it mixed comedy and horror well. 
Yeah, I, I agree 100% with you, uh, Kyle. Uh, for me, getting a chance to watch it. So the what I what I enjoyed about the film is I uh, I enjoy things that they have when you connect films together when they try to stay on the same timeline, which uh, is going to come into play later in this episode. Speaking of timelines, but I mean, you know, this it goes from you know Child's Play, Child's Play two, three, Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Curse, Colt, and then now we're uh, if I think I did that correctly. And then now we're at the this TV series of Chucky. So you have that same continuity, which I just think is amazing. Um, and then you have the story arc that you know is going to come because you've already been told and you've seen in the previews of you have uh, of Andy Barkley, uh, his foster sister, Kyle. And then you have uh, other character like Nika, who came out in Curse of Chucky. And then you also have Tiffany. But then you have this new story arc of new characters that we've seen in the like previews of you know these kids, and and we'll leave it at that. But the interesting thing is going to be is how do these original characters intersect with the new characters, and where does it go from there? From as we move on from each episode to we get to essentially this this season finale, and that's what's exciting, and it's shot in my opinion, very well. It's very, you know, it seems like it's a movie without it being a movie to a TV show. Um, and I just enjoy Brad Dorff playing Chucky. I mean, such an iconic voice um, that we've we've come to enjoy and love for 33 years now. And so um, seeing where we're going to move forward with other characters that we've come to love, especially everybody loves Jennifer Tilly as Tiffany. So that's, what's going to be excited about. Yeah. It's funny enough. If you, if you kind of think about it in a certain way, at least like the, the last two Chucky movies, not, not child, not the remake that got awful. Uh, oh, and Cole. Wow. I do not like throwing shade. I, <laughs> that is, I don't even know. That hey, I, I thought this is, Hey, I, I didn't mind it. Uh, I loved a lot of the kills, but uh, I think that if it had a different name other than Child's Play, I think it would have done so much better. Evil Alexa. <laughs> it would have done so much better because it was just people were expecting Chucky. Yeah. And they completely did. It was essentially a pissed off worker flipped a switch. <laughs> It's like there was nothing about Charles Lee Ray or nothing. <laughs> nothing to do with that. Yeah. Oh, it yeah, it was that the the guy got fired and he took away like all the safety features of the buddy doll. <laughs> it's literally like what would happen yeah. if somebody got fired from Amazon or something. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. But yeah, it was. Uh, I liked it, but like, I would have preferred it had a different name. Yeah, like if they would have done a different name and wouldn't have called it, it would have called it. Like I know they call him Buddy. Uh, if they would just had a different name, I think this movie would have done fine. That's yeah. I I, I would I would agree to that. Yeah, because immediately you hear Child's Play, you're like, okay, Chucky, and that yeah. immediately that gives you that point of comparison where it, it's not never going to live up to it. The only the, the only thing with it, they took something that 
it is technically like we we are seeing this, and this is why I make I make the joke often about uh, we're relying too much on machines and technology because there are people that you can control your like your control your thermostat with your phone. You can unlo- unlock your door with your phone. You can you know do certain things like that as everything's connected through Wi-Fi now with your phone. And essentially, you can get a smart house, um, which I think is highly overrated. But then they took it to like a whole nother level with the buddy doll. <laughs> and it's just kind of like it's, it's not so impractical too, because it's like, yeah. by the way, this doll is a is an Alexa it's an Alexa. Like it can control the temperature in your house. It can control your TV. Yeah. yeah. It's also a giant two foot doll. <laughs> it's also yeah. I, I I will say that one of the best things about that movie though was uh getting uh God dang it, her name escapes me. Uh, Aubrey, yeah, Aubrey, Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza to play uh, Andy's mom. Essentially, she, 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 she was great. That and and for some reason, it this always stuck with me. Um, hearing Mark Hamill's version of Chucky saying, "This is for Tupac." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah. This is for Tupac. Yeah, yeah, and then uh. Uh, also, there was that one guy who 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 uh, who was uh, creepy and got what he deserved. But did anyone else like? I had to look up a cast uh, listing to make sure that wasn't Jack Black because I thought it was fucking Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What the hell, Jack Black's in this movie? I didn't know that." <laughs> oh man, but yeah, yeah, Chucky. Good, great TV series. Uh, check it out if uh, if you can. Uh, I I don't have cable, so I ended up scrounging up like like really ten minutes before the show, just uh, trying to find uh, find a way to watch it online. Uh, uh, and so I ended up just uh, getting a uh, a two week trial to to YouTube TV just so I could watch it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, with so whether you, if you have sci fi. Or if you have USA Network, because I'm a I became a cord cutter. I don't have traditional cable. Um, I got out of cable and satellite approximately in 2017. Um, and there's some things you can do. There's some things you can't do. Um, like for example, I have Hulu, so you could watch things like on ABC. You could watch stuff on NBC. But when it came to this show, the only way you can watch it is if you had Hulu. Live TV, which I think is like $65 a month. YouTube, which I think is either $45 or $55 a month. Or Sling Television, which is $35 a month. So, yeah, that's... um. The other option, too, um, what I've done with some shows, like if I know that's the only thing I'm going to watch on that channel, instead of buying like a subscription, I'll just buy like the season on Amazon for like 20 bucks. That's it. That's actually smart pretty smart smart is to see i'm i'm probably most likely just gonna do this two-week trial and then try and do it another two-week trial or just do a switch two-week trial to a different uh different thing like sling or something <laughs> you're cheating the system kyle that's all oh, yeah. you've done I'm, I'm cheating the system that's right <laughs> I mean, I mean, I used to back when WWE was on the WWE Network, 
uh, uh, they used to give you like a month or three months free uh, for signing up. So I had like nine or ten different emails. <laughs> so oh my which is, yeah. <laughs> I think you should check with a lawyer before you put incriminating evidence on a podcast. <laughs> it's like I, I've been had. I've been using WWE Network for five years and never paid a single cent. And all of a sudden, I get a I get a a, a letter in the mail with like a a ten dollars a month for five years uh, court fees or some shit like that. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Signed oh, by Vince McMahon. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so the, the that was some fun things this week. And besides the big thing we have going on this week, which we. Uh, we haven't seen yet because I'm going tomorrow. Uh, JR, I think is. Are you going tomorrow or Friday? Yeah. So let me explain this. Um, and I will next week when we when we reconvene for. Uh, uh I can't. I'm not gonna say it right, Kyle. Is it ter- ter- terrifier? Yeah, terrifier. Yeah. Um, we. I may be crying, but as I said, it is uh tomorrow. I am a huge. Uh, for those who I think I've said it last week. I'm a huge Los Angeles Dodger fan, and tomorrow, Thursday, the Los Angeles Dodgers play the San Francisco Giants. Uh, first pitch is at 6.07 Pacific Standard Time. I have tickets to take my nephew at 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for Halloween Kills. I cannot be that asshole of a person to be to cancel on a little kid because I love my nephew to death, so I will pick him up at exactly 6 o'clock. As I told my sister, I'm not going to hear or see anything about the game. I'm going to go enjoy the movie. I'm going to um, take him, watch the movie, enjoy myself, take him home, come back home, open my phone and see the score and probably cry myself to sleep because it's going to be a tough go for the Dodgers having to play on the road in San Francisco with an equally crazy fan base as the Los Angeles Dodgers fan base. So um, I... so. Uh, I only really have two sports teams. I'm an LA Ram fan, LA Dodger fan, but more important than sports is family. And so my nephew, uh, he he got really big into horror on his own because I'm not his parents. I don't know what's the right age to have him show horror. He's uh, he's you know in his preteen years, and he got really big into horror and likes horror. And I think it may have started with with Walking Dead is what they were what he was started to watch, and then it kind of went into horror movies. So yeah, got um, to start him off young. And so uh, he's, uh, you know, he's excited. I told him, I said, don't worry, we're going to go and we're going to get the popcorn and the sodas and the candy. We're going to have a good time. So I'm excited because typically I go watch these films because my wife doesn't watch horror. Uh, I typically go by myself to watch it. So yeah, uh, it'd be good to take him and get him out of the house. Uh, and um, I, I mean, my, uh, my little sister, uh, when she was like four or five, uh, uh, she used to fall asleep watching the Friday the Thirteenth films. Like that was her favorite thing. I don't. Well, <laughs> I didn't know why. I mean, obviously loved horror, and so does so does uh, so do other people in my family. But like she loved, she like would fall asleep watching Friday the Thirteenth, and she loved Jason to the point that uh, every Friday the Thirteenth, she would make my mom make him a cake for his birthday. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it'd be, but yeah, we're all gonna see Halloween Kills. Uh, are you when are you seeing it? Tomorrow or Friday? Uh, I'm seeing it on Friday because tomorrow I'm actually gonna go see the new uh, James Bond. 
Okay, okay. And then on Friday, uh, it's going to be me, my brother, and a mutual one of his friends. Because gotcha. right after, we're going to go do a haunt together. So, like, it's going to be... Hell yeah. October 15th is just haunt Halloween day for us. Hell yeah. This is... Hey, I'll do the same thing to you then that I told JR since I'm seeing it before y'all. Uh, uh, I'm going to text JR uh, after I see it and let him know that Lori killed Michael, put on the mask, killed her family, and now she's the new Michael. And Halloween <laughs> ends. It's going to be Lori's. This, Lori. <laughs> this has now become Halloween 4. <laughs> but, no, no. The ghost of Loomis shows up and just starts yelling, no! Yeah, yeah. No! no! Did you see that fucking meme I posted in Discord where it was the Metallica a song where instead of, uh, instead of James Hatfield, it was Loomis and it said, give me fuel, give me fire, I shot Michael Myers six times. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're all gonna, you know, we're all here, we're excited to see Halloween Kills and because Halloween Kills is coming out this week, we thought it'd be fun to revisit Halloween 2018, uh, directed by David Gordon Green. So that's what we're here for, and that's what we're going to get into right now. Uh, So like I said, we're Halloween 2018, where it's directed by David Gordon Green. It was written by uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, which is funny because Danny McBride is not somebody you would... You would see, you would hear someone say, oh, Danny McBride's writing this horror film, and be like, oh, that's awesome, because he's more known for, like, comedies, like Pineapple Express, uh, and and uh, stuff like that, and it's like, it, it was just kind of odd seeing Danny McBride attached to a horror film, but obviously he knows his shit, and, and is good at it. It, it kind of reminded me of whenever I... Uh, I first heard that Jordan Jordan Peele was doing horror because I was like Jordan Peele, like as in Key and Peele. Jordan Peele's like what? It's like okay. I mean, I'll give it a shot. And then I saw Get Out, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll see any horror <laughs> movie this guy does. <laughs> yeah, exactly how I felt too. When I when I saw like the casting for or like the uh, the you know producing credits, I was like, wait, like that? Day? It, it's not another Nanny McBride. Yeah, I know, right? It's, uh, but, it's insane. Like, okay. It's weird, but at the same time, like I had seen him in Alien Covenant, and like that, yeah, he was a relatively serious character in that movie. So I was like, okay, yeah, maybe maybe he's trying to branch out into other stuff. So I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and I was very happy that I did. Yeah, and of, of course, it was produced by Jason Blum with uh, Blumhouse Productions, and also produced by uh, I, I'm gonna I know I'm gonna butcher this name, and I apologize. Uh, Produced by Mal- uh, Malik Akkad or Malik. I think Malik. it's Malik. I think it's Malik Akkad. Yeah, and yeah, Malik Akkad, who, in case you didn't know, is the son of Mustafa Akkad, who was the original producer of the original 1978 Halloween, who was uh, sadly, unfortunately, who sadly, uh, who sadly died with his daughter in a terrorist bombing of Ahmad Jordan Hotel in 2005. And uh, according to IMDb, apparently uh, Jamie Curtis uh, recounted where she first saw him on the film, on the set for the film when she was filming the 2018 one. And she just remembered him as the seven-year-old child who was visiting the set during production of the original film. And she said it actually brought, brought her to tears seeing him. Yeah, I actually remember um, that 
tragedy because, you know, my father, who probably like you know most fathers, uh, keep up on the news. And I remember I was a, I believe a junior, a junior, but become a senior in high school. And my father had told me he's like uh, about the the terrorist attack in Jordan uh, on the news, and because that was what it was mentioned as the you know essentially you know a famous you know person unfortunately lost his life and his daughter Mustafa Akkad and I remember thinking how would this that this you know this tragedy took his life and then you know then as a fan you know basically Halloween continued to exist in a lot of ways because of him the Halloween franchise so you know with his passing I think some fans were wondering at the time uh what would happen to the franchise after his passing and then his son Malik ended up taking over uh you know the for him and continue with his legacy. Yeah, which is uh, a really great thing to see. Uh, and of course, you know, we have, this is the first film since, uh, unfortunately, Resurrection that we won't talk about. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis coming back to reprise, reprise her, her role as uh, Laurie Strode. And you know, she it stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer. Uh, I'm going to butcher her name, uh, Andy Matichek or Matik. I'm I'm terrible with names, but yeah, we'll just call her Andy. Yeah, yeah, Andy. We'll call her Andy. Yeah, yeah, Andy, who plays Allison, who is the daughter of the daughter of Laurie Strode. So she's Laurie Strode's granddaughter, and she's essentially the new. I wouldn't necessarily say the new Lori, but she's like one of the one of the final girls, and it's uh, interesting because uh, when they were casting when they were casting for her role, they were real serious about how they wanted to pay homage to the original film by casting an actress that wasn't well known, the same way that they did with Jamie Lee Curtis in the original Halloween. And uh, it's rumored that Lucy Hale and even Emma Roberts tried out for this role, but they turned them away for for her. Which I'm I'm kind of glad they did because like if I'm thinking about that, I'm like I don't see either one of them kind of fitting that character. Yeah, the way that that Andy Madison played it. Yeah, I definitely don't see anyone else playing her, but her or like a a similar like up and coming actress. It would just mm-hmm. be weird seeing Emma Roberts in the in this yeah i mean not even roberts emma stone yeah or or her too yeah but yeah and then also uh, will Patton, who is playing as uh who's playing as officer uh from who was from uh who's playing with roles from the original uh who was one of the original cops from the original film and we also have Virginia Gardner and James Jude Courtney as uh, Michael. And now we'll get to JR's favorite thing. Uh, it was released in October 19th, 2018. Has a runtime of 106 minutes. Budget of 10 to 15 million estimated. And it made a box office of 255.6 million. Oh my god. That, no, that just, is ridiculous. Like just to put that in perspective, 
uh, apparently opening weekend, it made more money than Halloween H2O in its entire run. So and that's, and I'm guessing that's even with like a adjusted for inflation, though. I I believe so. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, yeah, apparently it was it was the biggest horror movie opening with a female lead, the biggest movie opening with a female lead over 55, and it was the biggest opening for any of the Halloween films. Uh, it was the second biggest horror movie opening after uh, it after it chapter one in 2017. And it was the second biggest October opening uh, ever after Venom. Well, I mean, let's put it in. Per- I'll add a perspective back to the Halloween, um, and the inflation. It's a. Uh, it probably be if I'm doing the math quickly in my head, maybe like a twenty percent inflation. So, um, in August two thousand seven, Rob Zombie's Halloween came out to a budget of fifteen million. Which is would actually be a little bit higher if you adjust for inflation than the budget they had for Halloween twenty eighteen. Uh, the box office it did, which at the time a lot of people thought was really really good because of the poor box office of its predecessor, mainly Halloween Resurrection, which did thirty seven million on a fifty on a fifteen million dollar budget. It did eighty million. So. That alone, two hundred fifty-five million, and the previous when you add in the Halloween Resurrection, you, you add in the Halloween Rob Zombie's Halloween, Halloween Two, like the numbers doesn't even come close. Like about how just dominant Halloween twenty eighteen was at the box office compared to its predecessors. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it was an absolute monster when it came to box office success. Oh yeah, and uh. It's funny how this came to. We better be glad that this came to be because uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. But uh, you better be glad you got this and not some of the other ideas they had. So the the way this this came to be was because we had Dimension Films on the rights, and uh, the way it worked was they had so long to basically make a film before rights. <laughs> could be moved on, could be obtained by someone else. So uh, Dimension Films apparently had two films that they were trying to make that they were in they were in the works, but they ended up not getting to film them in time, So, which caused them to lose the rights, which Miramax picked, picked up, which was then picked up by Blumhouse. So then that's how we got this. I don't know if you've heard about some of the sequels that were planned that were canned. Abusive, but oh my god, they were fucking terrible. Oh god, um, please tell me, tell me one of them. I, I want to know. Okay, what, oh, we're, thinking, what we're dealing with here. I'll, I'll tell you the, the the worst one in my opinion is okay. So there was one that was planned that was going to be a direct sequel to Halloween Resurrection, where okay, you're off to a bad start. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's starting off bad. Yeah, yeah. Where they were bringing back Busta Rhymes, and he was going to oh, be no. teaming up. With Jamie Lee Kurt, with 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 Laurie Strode's son from H two O, Josh Harnett's character, and they were gonna be chasing down Michael. Oh God, <laughs> no! There's so many things wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think JR's even heard about one that was supposedly they were wanting to put Michael in space. Just to capitalize on like the whole Jason X thing. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately. Um... 
it, things started to go downhill, I think, really quickly after Halloween 2. So that I'm going back to the 80s because John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, was insistent on doing the anthology and Season of the Witch was poorly received. And Mustafa Akkad wanted to bring Michael back to basically save the franchise. And there was like a lot of dips and turns and twists of, you know, there was so many different story arcs around the time. And then I remember, I, I think because of Halloween 6 and how that did, it almost sent uh, Halloween to direct to VHS Purgatory Hell, which would have completely killed the franchise. Um, and so it's had its high moments, at low moments. And the one I heard was, in fact, um, they were there was two discussions. One about doing a third movie in the Rob Zombie timeline called Halloween 3D. And it would bring back Taylor Scout Compton as uh, I think I'm saying her name correctly as Lori, who's locked up after who's locked up in an insane asylum and Tyler Maine playing Michael Michael Myers again, like coming for her. And there was another one, which is, in my opinion, an even worse one is they talked about going a different direction. And because of the success of um, which Jason, uh, Jason Blum's uh, success, Kyle, I can't think of the movie, the found footage movie. Activity. Thank you. Because of the success of that, they talked about doing a found footage Halloween where it would have brought in like a copycat killer and it would just went all over the place. And so, you know, I think that old saying, good things come to those who wait. So as much as we would have loved to see a Halloween in 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14 to continue waiting that extra almost decade for Halloween 2018, and seeing them just go a different direction was worth it. Um, obviously, because of the success of Halloween 2018. The other thing, though, is um, we mentioned this earlier with Danny McBride. You know, when I remember first hearing Danny McBride, I'm like, that guy from Pineapple Express and Eastbound and Down. And you start thinking, it's like, well, wait a minute. Around this time is when they came out with, get with I can never get his name. I think it's Peel, Jordan Peel, who did Get Out. And so, yeah, like, Jordan Peel. So I was like, well, this guy who's a funny comedian did this amazing horror film that people love. So maybe Danny McBride could do something because maybe at the end of the day, he's a fan of Halloween. Maybe there's something that he sees that he can spark life into it. And I think obviously they found, you know, magic in the bottle with with uh, the writers of it. Um, but then the last part is it's always amazing to me how how, how um, movie rights just like somebody buys the rights but you can only have it for so long and then it reverts back i've seen that happen with marvel movie rights uh before disney just dominated and took back everything in the last decade i've seen it with you know horror movies and i think you know i'm saying this talking on my ass but i i think what's probably what happened is at the end of the day the akkad family ran with malik as a figurehead owns the halloween trademarks but, you know, said, hey, you have the movie rights to make these films. But if you don't make it in a specific time, you lose those rights. And then I could sell them to whoever I want. And I think that's exactly what happened with Halloween 2018 after Dimension fell off after Rob Zombie's H2. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, I mean, I, I think what was really important was like the collaborative effort behind it, because even though it was taken up by a different production company that had the rights to it, you know, with, with Bloomhouse they still went out of their way to include 
uh, Malika caught in it. Yeah, and and also the fact that they got John Carpenter on board to not only like help them with the film, he uh, he did the he did the music. His son with his son Cody, and also Daniel Davies helped out with the music. Who is uh, uh, John Carpenter's uh, uh, godson as well? So. It, you just you just had the great team of music on plus John Carpenter just you know uh, on set to help you uh, and give ideas and 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 stuff, which which I think you know getting him on on board was pretty much what sealed the deal for this to be on board to, to be a success, mm-hmm. especially because it was so different from what happened between him and rob zombie when yeah rob zombie was gonna do the remake where he was like you know i don't want to be involved in this just do whatever you want yeah whereas here he was like i want to be actively a part of this i want to yeah shape the story and you can tell that that made a big difference yeah i bet john carpenter probably saw rob zombie's halloween 2 and was like yeah i'm helping out with the next one we're not (laughs) gonna go there (laughs) well i think the other thing too is i I, you know from a creator standpoint you know when you're involved in something or you create something that you think is you know amazing and there like as i mentioned there's there's a lot of highs of the halloween franchise there's a lot of lows and he's probably in some of his minds thinking like you know I've they made yeah that sequel was good that one was you know okay that one was horrible and they're like you see they continue making it and essentially in his opinions they're probably you know bastardizing you know Michael Myers this amazing character that he created there's probably part of it's like you know if they ask me would you come back if he's like hey if I reach out maybe I could rectify those wrongs and make something that is a truly amazing and horrifying horror film and you know get this train back on the tracks because at the end of the day especially when you look at the big horror icons whether it's you know michael jason freddy or you know and i'll add chucky to this mix now um there's a devoted fan base that's going to continue watching these films until the end of time i think i made the joke last week i'll i'll be 70 years old still asking for the next halloween film because i just want to see michael you know michael myers do his thing in the next chapter and i just like there'll never be enough chapters and so i think probably you know john carpenter knowing that it's like let me let me do something to kind of bring this back you know on track and you know i'll go through these next couple segments these next stops and then after we get to halloween ends you know we'll see what happens after that in the sense of like i'm out maybe somebody else will take it and do something amazing with it in my opinion, I mean, like I said, I could be talking on my ass, but that's how, if it was me, that's how my opinion would be is like, I need to fix this because they killed my baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Uh, what, uh, a fun, fun little tid- tidbit I learned that I, that I really liked was, uh, so apparently I didn't know this. Apparently Jake Gyllenhaal is a, uh, a family friend of Jamie Lee Curtis's. And uh, he actually was the one who convinced her to reprise her role as Lori in this. So, go Jake. <laughs> Did not know that. Major, major props to Jake Gyllenhaal there. Yeah. 
And uh, this is one that's all right. Uh, so James Jude Courtney, who you know played Michael in this, he apparently consulted with real life serial killers on how to kill people to make his performance believable, because uh, Gordon Hill, in his own words. Michael had been locked up for 40 years, so he's had a long time to think about killing, but obviously he's still efficient and driven, so I wanted to make sure people see that in my performance. That's insane. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, he did a terrific job, because... Oh, yeah. Outside of Halloween 1, I think this is, like, the most menacing version of Michael we've Oh, got. dude, he's so fucking brutal. Because, not, like, not only is he brutal, just, like, the... Just the lack of emotion, the the constant, unmoving like walk. Like it's just you can tell that there's like something not human about Michael Myers in this. Yeah. Oh. Uh, now that we're fixing to, uh, right before we get into it, uh, uh, I, I will say that uh, as much as I love this film, uh, this is easily like one of my favorites uh, behind behind the original uh but as much as i love this film there was one part in this film and uh we'll talk to it when we get when we get to it where i thought they were going to go a certain route but i'm so glad they didn't because i was getting ready to walk out of the theater because <laughs> i was pissed i was like they oh better not my god i, I gotta know about what that is i thought they better it. not fucking do this <laughs> but but luckily they didn't so I was happy, but uh, before we get into it, uh, I know uh, something that uh, JR really wanted to talk about that's hilarious. So with this, with this, with 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 this one that, and you know, we're getting Halloween Kills tomorrow and Halloween ends uh, next year, hopefully. Uh, this is now the fifth timeline for Halloween franchise. If, if you want to. <laughs> Give a brief history of the or how the timeline goes, Jr. So, um, I think let's start with the easiest one. So, as everybody knows, Halloween three season of the witch was supposed to be the start of an anthology of Halloween. After Halloween two was supposed to be the end of the Michael Michael Myers saga, essentially. So, Halloween three season of the witch is it's technically its own timeline. Then you have the Rob Zombies reboot. So, Rob Zombies Halloween and Rob Zombies Halloween H two. That's the second uh, timeline. The original timeline has come to be known as the the uh, Curse of Thorn timeline is Halloween 1, 2, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, Halloween 5, Revenge of Michael Myers, and Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. So that is the third story arc or timeline. Then you have, I, call, I jokingly call it the Buster Rhymes timeline but that would be halloween one halloween two uh halloween h2o 20 years later and then halloween resurrection that is the fourth timeline and now the fifth and newest timeline would be halloween one halloween 2018 uh and now halloween kills and halloween ends would be the the fifth timeline we have to date yep five timelines that's insane uh interesting though i will say to add to this though real quickly is there was i know talk uh the development of halloween 2018 about bringing jamie lloyd as laurie's daughter 
and it was changed. And it's interesting because that would, if they did that, that means you would potentially have, a, you would have a fifth timeline, but it would be Halloween, Halloween two, May and four, not six because she Jamie Lloyd's character dies in six, so you'd have four and maybe five, maybe not five. Yeah, see, I heard, uh, I heard something like that, but different. Apparently, uh, okay, because you know we get cameos from other people from 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 the original from throughout the Halloween franchise, and uh, Danielle Harris said in a live Q and A uh, on so on her social media that she actually talked to them about coming back as Jamie, reprising her role as Jamie, and they turned her down because. The, they wanted to ignore the sequels and it wouldn't have made sense to have her in there if they're ignoring the sequels. I would love to have Daniel Harris show up in this. Yeah, you know, and I will add, there was talk about after Halloween, uh, I mean, speculation or discussion about some of the writers of creative um, about, well, after Halloween ends, what would you potentially do? I know there was talk about, you know, having a uh, a sequel or reboot of the season of the witch timeline or season of the witch story arc. Um, potentially the thorn. Uh, I said, man, I really think that I I think if you skip Halloween six and you go and start after Halloween five, Revenge of Michael Myers, Jamie Lloyd's still alive. Michael Myers at the end of it gets broken out of the. Um, gel cell with the man in black i think you could do something that's successful with it with daniel harris being the lead uh final girl in that storyline with that and make a and make a good movie with the fact is that she's now you know fully grown up and she's you know track she's been track like kind of like a huntress tracking down her uncle and the man in black who, who broke her out and you could do something with them oh yeah I'd agree. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. We're Halloween 2018. Uh, so, movie opens up. It's been 40 years since the original 1978 Haddonfield murders. And we have these true crime podcasters, uh, Aaron and, and Dana. And it, it, a funny thing, uh, letter on... They don't call themselves podcasters. They call themselves investive journalists. So remember, guys, if we uh, ever are ashamed for some reason or don't want to tell people that we're podcasters, we're investive journalists, investigative journalists. But Is that legal? Can you do that? I don't know. <laughs> but the, they end up traveling to Smith Grove Sanitarium to interview Michael Myers. Like, how... Wow. What a plan. Who was... Uh, who we learned was captured by by Dr. Loomis from the original film after, uh, he, after he was shot off of the dual house balcony. They ended up catching him a few blocks down the road. And, uh... And, uh, and, uh he was... And so now he's been locked up ever since. And we're introduced to Dr. Sarton, 
who is essentially uh, Loomis's successor. He was a student of Loomis, and now he's taken over his whole life's work is pretty much studying Michael, and he's Michael's new new uh, new doctor. And he's been treating Michael since Loomis's uh, death. And he informs them that uh, Michael is able to speak, but he chooses not to. And so Aaron ends up uh, approaching Michael to try and talk to him, but he he doesn't talk. And it's funny because they're out like in this courtyard where there's all these other patients around, and then uh, some patients are in a a yellow. the outline of a yellow square and apparently that means they were like really really bad hardcore uh uh, uh, bad patients and uh it's just funny seeing michael just out there just no mask you you can't see his face you kind of see the side of it and stuff and you know he's of course played by james jude courtney I thought that was interesting to see Michael without in that in that aspect without without a face without a mask or anything just out standing in a courtyard. Just, yeah, what just everything? One thing I was gonna add the, the cool thing about this scene is that work they're outside essentially is the equivalent of their rec time as they would call it in prison. Is that your recreational time? And where he's chained up in that yellow box is that that line of the yellow box is basically the point, like your safety net that with the chain and where they're at is that they could essentially grab you if you're within, if you're touching that yellow line. And I'm sure if it's, you know, similar to prisons, there's a no, you know, there's a hostage clause that says, if you get taken hostage on your own and that's them, that's the, the sanitarium security saying, Hey, if you cross that yellow line and you get into his space and he takes you, um, you're gonna be dead, and there's nothing we're gonna do about it because we're not gonna we're not gonna go in after you. Yeah, I would not step over that line, and uh, so it uh, Aaron can't get Michael to speak. So in order to try and hopefully get something out of him, uh, they have obtained Michael's uh, mask from the original film. From the attorney general, it's kind of weird how that worked. I didn't understand that aspect of it. Yeah, I don't think you just go buy it. Just get evidence. Just go do that. That's kind of weird. It's like, are we able to just go to the attorney general and just be like, "Hey, we uh, we want to interview this guy for our podcast. Let us take this evidence out." I I don't think it works like that. I'm gonna go check with my local police department tomorrow. Yeah. So he pulls out the mask. And he and he basically holds the mask out to Michael, and I, I I really loved this this aspect and scene because uh it's something that like other Halloween films didn't ever really explore. It seems that Michael can sense the mask that there's some kind of true power between him and the mask, but he obviously he doesn't make it. Uh, he, he has like a little bit of an eye twit. He has a little bit of a twitch where like when he pulls it out. Tell that Michael knows that's what it is, but he obviously doesn't say anything, doesn't do anything. But every other patient and dogs and everything else and alarms are just going off. Everything's just fucking chaos, and it, it just it really shows that like there is some true, true serious evil there 
with with uh with Michael and the mask and everything. And he's like, uh, you know, he's he's yelling at Michael to, to say something over and over again, but he don't say anything. And that's the cold opening, and we get this really awesome, uh, uh, basically this uh, shot of uh, the credits are 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 playing, showing the the Halloween title and all the all the credits and stuff. And we have a pumpkin that is essentially starting out from the end and in reverse lifting its uh, uh growing back up and the way they did that was they actually took a pumpkin and they put a camera on it over the course of a few weeks as it slowly rotted until it slumped down and then they just reversed and edited the footage to where it would it would slowly build itself back up which i thought was really really cool opening as we got the iconic you know halloween theme playing as well I love that homage. That was just really, just see anything that's an homage to your predecessor. Um, I just thought was really cool, um, because that's the whole meaning of Halloween nineteen seventy eight is with the pumpkin. Um, obviously not like a decaying one, but I, just, I just love that. I love that cold open, the title card. Yeah, they also had the uh, they also had like pretty much the same font as well, which I, I appreciated. And I, I was told that it's supposed to be very visible in 2018. That wasn't necessarily visible in 1978, and that is the upper, the right eye and the nose of the pumpkin is supposed to be a silhouette of Michael Myers. Oh well, wow. I'd never noticed that. They said if you, yeah, they said that it's supposed to be defend more, um, more seal. I can't, I can't think of the the correct term, but. Supposed to be a more definite sh- a silhouette in the 2018 version than in the tw- than the 1978 version. I don't know if that's a fan, like you know, fans are saying that, or if that's actually directly from Jar Carpenter and Deborah Hill. But that's what I had read. That's really interesting. I'll, I'll have to look for that uh, more when I watch when I rewatch stuff. Uh, so after this cold opening, Aaron and Dana, the podcasters or investigative journalists. Uh, they go because uh, they didn't get anything out of Michael. They want to go interview his counterpart, Lori. So they go to Lori's house, and Lori has pretty much spent the last forty years uh, locked, uh, like held, uh, like locked down, training herself, like dealing with severe PTSD, and basically preparing for Michael's inedible return. Like, this place is a fucking fortress that she lives in. Top security, everything. And, uh, obviously that they, they try and get her at the gate, they don't get an answer, and they end up offering her $3,000. I mean, hey, they offered me $3,000 uh, to come talk to me. Hell yeah, I'd let them in. I'd offer them uh, a drink and a snack and everything. Absolutely, and as far as like her preparation, this is exactly what you would see out of like a doomsday prepper. Somebody who thinks a zombie apocalypse is coming. You know, multiple deadbolts, multiple locks, tons of ammunition, um, the floodlights. Everything about this is essentially a compound. This is the closest compound I've seen to burnt from trimmers. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can definitely see that. And uh, so th- they go and they go in her house and they're essentially doing an interview with her about Michael. And, you know, it's basically revealed that because of everything she's dealt with, uh, because of uh, because of the original attacks, the original murders, uh, Lori has had two failed marriages, which, and she's also lost custody of she lost custody of her daughter Karen at a young age, who has uh, went on to have her own daughter Allison, who is you know Lori's granddaughter, and uh, it's caused pretty much a, a lot of stress on their family, and she's. Uh, you know, more or less estranged from the family. Because, you know, they're just like, oh, that's just, you know, crazy Lori. Unfortunately, they don't realize that, you know, she was, yeah, it was kind of bad what she was doing. But, you know, she was just, she was just uh, very care, uh, very caring and wanted them to be, make sure that they were prepared and they didn't go through what she went through. But, uh, they tell they interview uh, uh, Lori and basically try and get stuff trying to get her to speak about Michael and uh, they essentially want to get Lori to go with them to bring her to Michael so that they can talk but she's not she doesn't want to do that and so she ends up getting, telling them to leave and uh, she lets them know uh they find out that uh, Michael's being transferred to maximum security prison that night. And of course, uh, Lori knows, but she declines to go with them. And so th- they leave, but they give her $3,000. So easy $3,000 for her to talk for like a minute. So uh, after this, Patients are basically being loaded up onto a bus transport, and Dr. Harton, he insists on accompanying Michael because he says that, you know, Michael's still his patient and that he's going to see his duties through to the end. And later on, the bus that Michael's on ends up crashing into a ditch where there are some, all the, some like security guards are killed. Inmates scatter about the road, and it, it pretty much uh, is how Michael ends up escaping and, and making his way back to, to Haddonfield. But uh, unfortunately, a man and his little son uh, end up coming across everything, and they get out to help, but they end up both getting killed by Michael. And uh, this one's it was interesting because it's like Michael kills a kid in this movie. I was like. I mean, I assume he's a kid. He could have been a teenager. I don't know, but he he seemed to be like a kid. And yeah, Michael snaps his neck, and that was very uh, unsuspecting. Yes, uh, first, I mean, he's probably a preteen, somewhere you know, twelve, twelve, thirteen years old. So he's definitely not the high school age that we saw in, in previous predecessors of you know of Halloween twenty eighteen, as we've seen. The only kid he essentially ever went after was Jamie Lloyd, um, and that was it. Everybody else was essentially, you know, minimum you figured. Um, what well, was said in Halloween H two O, 
Jamie Lee Curtis, um, Laura Sher was 17 years old when when she was attacked and her friends, and then also her son, he was 17. But we've never seen anybody that young. We've known Michael to kill animals, you know, especially dogs, um, but that's it. So for him to kill a child as young as potentially 12 or 13 was really kind of, in my opinion, uh, helped set the tone of this film about how, you know, dark and uh, gruesome it was going to get. Oh, yeah. It definitely does get dark and gruesome. Uh, after Michael ends up escaping, the next scene we see the investigative journalists or podcasters uh, from the opening. Uh, they're at a gas station, and of course, you know they still have Michael's mask. And uh, we can't you you can kind of tell if you if you uh, really look in the background, but Michael ends up. Uh, pulling up to him, pulled up in the background behind. He's uh, he found them and he pulled up in the background behind him in the truck that he stole from killing the father and son from the uh, escape. And uh, boy, he he goes on a a rampage here. He ends up. I mean, this is broad daylight, and he goes into this gas station and. Uh, it, it, it's great because like uh, you can see what somebody's talking to one of the you see the gas station clerk uh, during one scene and if you pay attention in the background you can see Michael killing the mechanic in the background but it's like the way it's shot it's not like that's not the focus but you can see you can you can uh, you can see it off in the, in the background if you really look uh, he kills the mechanic he go he kills the cashier like brutally pretty much like breaks off his like lower half of his jaw and stuff. And then uh Dana who is in a, a bathroom stall in one of the bathrooms, uh he ends up walking in the bathroom and he ends up uh p- taking his hand over the stall and you know she says, Hey somebody's in here and he drops teeth on the ground and I thought that was insane. That's just like a big like he's basically telling her, Haha, you're fucked now, like, like a lot of people didn't really like this. I've seen people talk about how like, they didn't thought this was very uncharacteristic of Michael because it seems he kind of seemed to be playing with them. But uh, I really liked it. I thought it was like it showed like a really sadistic, brutal side of Michael, where you know it's like he knows he's about to kill them, and he's basically giving them a uh, dropping the teeth to like. As a, as a scare tactic. What do you think about it, JR? Or this whole bathroom massacre where he kills Dana, he kills uh, Aaron, and he ends up eventually getting his mask back? I mean, he's upping his level of violence, so this is would be from what we've seen his third and fourth kill not including like the attendance uh and so this is like his third fourth fifth and sixth kill and each is the level continues to rise as far as what he's able to do with this you know his bare hands and you know in other films that you've seen you know there's a lot of you know knife work and you know stabbing but with this is it just sets a new standard of kind of what to expect in this film and i think it's kind of what people have been wanting 
is that that higher level of violence out of Michael in the in the film. Oh yeah, same same here. Uh, it it's what I've wanted. I mean, <laughs> I saw like uh, like a brutality side of, of Michael in uh, the Rob Zombie. Uh, movies, but then it was just great seeing it like this in this one. But yeah, this whole bathroom, this whole gas station scene is great, especially with the, how it ends with him getting his, his mask back and he's literally like in broad daylight putting his mask on, and it's the way it's shot, it's just beautiful. And uh, after. After this, uh, Lori obviously uh, has found out about uh, the bus crash and that Michael has escaped. And to demonstrate their lack of security, uh, Lori breaks into her daughter Karen's house uh, and to basically to basically show them that they have a lack of security, and it causes an argument between her daughter and her hus- her daughter's husband Ray. And what a way to show a lack of security by breaking into someone's house. Beginning later that night, uh, Michael ends up is wondering Haddonfield. Like it's it's now a, a Halloween, and you know he's ready. He's at his full power now. Uh, he's got his mask back. You know he's ready. He's ready to kill. Uh, Michael wanders through Haddonfield, and he just begins to just kill people and uh we get this really awesome it's it's essentially a one shot uh like where like one continuous shot where michael is you see michael uh walk toward a garage in the background uh grab a hammer and then walks into the back of someone's house bludgeons this woman with a hammer moves to another house where he finds another woman and he gets a knife, and he ends up stabbing her directly through her throat. And that whole that whole sh- that that shot from it it's a one shot sequence. Yeah, is one of the best scenes I've ever seen in the film. Yeah, it's it's so fucking good, and it's showing the just the pure. You know, one of the things we forget to mention that we didn't mention earlier is in this film it. When we did say it though that it completely skips Halloween two, it goes Halloween nineteen seventy eight to Halloween twenty eighteen, and it was never said in Halloween nineteen seventy eight that Laurie Strode and Michael Myers were related. It said that at the end of Halloween two, and so um, it kind of was briefly brought up, like you know, in that kind of like in a joke, like oh, wasn't that her brother said no, that was just something people made up. And I always liked the whole concept that they were related, but when you remove that, it's actually showing that Michael Myers has no rhyme or reason for what he's doing, which yeah. actually makes it even more brutal. And he's just this pure callous, you know, just black heart and devil's eyes that just he's just randomly killing people in this town. And this one shot sequence of him doing that twice is just like for no reason at all is just pretty awesome. Yeah, and but like he's also like a we've learned like from the uh from the first movie that he pretty much fixated upon Lori because she was the one who walked up to his house that 
in that one time. Like if if and so he pretty much fixated on her, and so he's been after her ever since. Uh, and it's like it's always it's always funny thinking about that because it's like uh, imagine if Lori wouldn't have went up to the house if it would just literally just been the mailman. Imagine just Halloween movies with like Michael terrorizing this one mailman. <laughs> it's just fucking hilarious to think about. Uh, after this, this uh, after that great sequence, uh, we see uh, Allison's at a party uh, with her with her friends and her boyfriend Cameron. And Cameron, uh, I don't know if you knew this, uh, Jr. But Cameron is the son of Lonnie who was the one of the kids that bullied Tommy Doyle in the original uh, Halloween film. Yes, I remember I remember um actually James A. Janice from Dead Meat actually taught me that. Yep, he did. He's great and, and with Do- Dr. Loomis going, Lonnie, get your ass out of there. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that uh Got scared off Michael's uh, at Michael's house. Uh, so Allison's with her boyfriend Cameron and, and their friends, and they're at a party. And she ends up receiving a call from her friend Vicky, who has invited her over once the her once uh, uh, Julian, the boy she's babysitting, falls asleep, and her boyfriend Dave uh, comes over. Uh, Allison ends up getting into a. Uh, into a fight with her boyfriend Cameron because her boyfriend Cameron uh, ends up kissing is uh, drunk and he ends up kissing another girl at the party. And then he kind of plays, play tries to play it off. Like he didn't do that. And he ends up being a real asshole by uh, grabbing Allison's phone and put in fucking nacho cheese. Like, yeah, I fucking hated Cameron. Like when he did this, I was like, Oh fuck this dude. And I was very pissed off that he didn't get killed. Like he's never, he's not in the rest of the movie at all. Uh, like there was nothing done about him. But the reason is, I apparently uh, I heard, and apparently there is uh, a, a problem. There's apparently a, I don't know if there's a deleted scenes. If there's any deleted scenes of it, uh, but I've heard that apparently there was originally in the script that he was supposed to have a bigger story. He was supposed to have a, basically a, uh, a redemption arc and they ended up having to cut it. And I think they put it, some of it in deleted scenes, but, uh, I don't know how true it is, but I've heard that it's a possibility that, uh, we'll start seeing some of the redemption arc in how in Halloween kills. But, uh, you know, he does that, and so obviously Allison leaves the party, and uh, their friend uh, ends up following them, and ends up following her uh, as well after she leaves. Uh, back at uh, Julian's house, uh, Vicky is babysitting Julian, uh, and they're going back and forth uh, and talking about uh, movie stuff. And dude, Julie, Julian's like one of my favorite things about this movie. 
dude, he was, Julian was such a great kid, such a great character in this film. He had some of the funniest fucking lines. Yes, and for a film that, I mean, uh, very heavy on, you know, the dark and the violence of it, the this was the, I would say the, not much needed, but the refreshing comic relief of the film. Yeah, it, yeah, it was refreshing having Julia Julian's com uh, comedic relief throughout the film. Uh, but uh, you know, Julian's uh, she ends up tell uh, Julian it's time for bed, and she uh, goes to tuck him in, and her boyfriend Dave ends up arriving later on, and you know he's you know he's obviously he's trying to get lucky he. He ended up tattooing the date on him, and, and once she saw that, that was that was it for her. <laughs> that was that was that was hilarious. It was just like, what? That's kind of a rash decision, just tattooing that random date on you. But okay. While uh uh. Dave and Julian are kind of, you know, uh, cuddling up on the couch. Uh, not Dave and Julian. D- Dave and Vicky are cuddling up on the couch. Uh, Julian ends up running downstairs, and he tells uh, Vicky that there was a guy outside uh, with uh, outside his window looking at him, and uh, she he needs her to come up there and, and investigate. And uh, Vicky ends up going to Julian's room, and you know she shows him that there's nothing there, and then uh, he tells her to shut the closet door, and he shuts. She goes to shut it, and it won't shut. She tries again, it won't shut. So then she opens it up all the way, and Michael's in his fucking closet. That was a awesome, really terrifying fucking scene. I mean, absolutely, because it was, you know, part of where did he come from, how did he get up there, and just the, like, just the quickly aggressiveness with the knife strike, so it was, um, yes. Yeah, Michael ends up uh, attacking Julian, and and, uh, not Julian, but Vicky, and it's hilarious, because Julian literally just, literally yells, oh shit, and he runs out. Julian had my exact reaction that I would have done that too. I would have said, oh shit, and left. (laughs) And then, uh, as he's running running downstairs, he comes across Dave, and he tells Dave to, to run or he or he's gonna die. <laughs> Dude, Julian just he has some of the funniest fucking lines, and uh, Dave goes up there. Uh, uh, Julian's up uh, running away, and. Uh, uh, Michael ends up uh, attacking, uh, ends up uh, killing uh, Vicky. She she essentially sacrificed herself to save Julian, which was you know a real great on her. Michael kills uh, Vicky, and he also kills Dave. He kills the way he kills Dave is great. He like he pins him up against the wall with the knife in like a a throwback to the original in one of these uh, you know world's strongest uh, knives. Like how how one single knife held up a 
human body is insane. Also, dude, uh, it, it's just hilarious to think about. Uh, do you think Michael took the time to pull out a stud finder to try and find the stud on the wall before he pinned him? You know, he probably was a carpenter in a previous life, so he probably knows where to find the studs. By uh, he probably did a couple of knocks ahead of time. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so I can just—I just want to see like a—I want to see like a, a deleted scene of Michael like knocking on the wall, like trying to find the stud before he hangs <laughs> Dave. <laughs> but uh, you know, of course that happens. So, and Julian ends up fleeing. While this is happening, Lori is patrolling the streets in her truck. Uh, she's got a CB radio on, and she's just running, driving around the uh, street, basically looking for Michael. And she hears a dispatch call on her radio about uh, the attack, the house, the the, and the, the attack at uh, Julian's house, and so she she ends up following uh, where. She no. She goes to the house, and Frank Hawkins, the sheriff, he's investigating it, where he finds Dave and Vicky's body. And uh, Vicky's body is upstairs, and he's and Michael even put a like uh, a sheet over her and stuff to make her appear like a ghost. And that I think that was a bit of a homage to the first film where Bob, where Bob uh, dressed up, where uh, where Bob did the whole uh, ghost thing. And then Michael pretended to be Bob before he killed uh, Linda. So uh, Lori and Hawkins are end up are patrolling behind the neighboring houses, and uh, they're trying to find Michael. Uh, did you catch where when Lori was running through here, she runs into a group of trick or treaters? Uh, it's three trick or treaters. Did you see what they were wearing, Jr.? No comment. <laughs> Come on, Jr. Is is they're paying homage to your favorite film in the franchise. If I could, if I if I could get like the that the Thanos snap, I would snap that film out of existence. <laughs> in, in, in case you're you're wondering what that is, Yusuf. The uh, hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jr. is a season of the witch hater. Unfortunately. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's insane. But yeah, the, the the all the kids are wearing the season of the witch replica masks, which I thought was great. Which, which, by the way, now that we've seen the trailer, now we know that those kids are dead. That's true. Wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't think about that. Is that the same kids? I'm. I'm assuming it might be just because, like, how common are those masks? Yeah, that's true. They fucking deserved it for wearing them. <laughs> Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a long story, Yusuf. One of these days I'll tell it off air because I've said it probably 20 times, but I'll tell you about it after we get off. But yeah. Okay. It's, it's a really it has it just has to do with with my way of getting into horror and and looking for a looking for a movie that just never existed and came in across this one. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh after she runs into them, uh she looks up and she sees the sheriff in one window of the house, find the bodies and she looks over. And then this is the, one of the great moments we finally see Lori's finally sees Michael for the first time in 40 years. And she shoots at the window. Can you imagine if, if she would been, if, if this like uh she just randomly pulled out a gun and just sh- sh- shot at the window. Can you imagine if, 
she may have like fucked up and been at the wrong house and it would have just been somebody in like a costume and she just shot that kid. like in the style of Halloween too where that kid got hit by a by a car. Yes. <laughs> and not just hit by a car, I mean he got fucked. He got destroyed strong. by an ambulance. <laughs> he was dead, dead. But uh <laughs> but yeah, she shoots at the window. But uh, uh I think it was like a mirror it was like a it was a mirror. So it wasn't even Michael. And so uh, uh, Michael ends up walking away. And I love this shot because the the sheriff is really in the room investigating. And then you see Michael walk by the room and he's just walking with such like determination. He's, he's just like, doesn't even look in the room or nothing. He's just walking just, just nonstop. Doesn't no care in the fucking world. Just walks straight, walks down the uh, stairs and does not care. The, the, the cop even shoots at him and says his name and he does not fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh after this uh uh a deputy arrives with dr sarton and uh, i love this this scene when dr uh, dr sarton shows up because he gets out and he looks like he just fucking woke up he looks so <laughs> out of it <laughs> and like, uh, he looks like he spent the night drinking yeah, and then had to be taken to the drunk tank by the cops. Yeah, now he's getting out. He yeah, he, he's out and he's there with Lori and Hawkins, and uh, they learn that that's Michael's new psychiatrist. With Lori says, "Oh, so you're the new Loomis?" Yes, I love that line. And then uh, Lori ends up telling Hawkins that uh, she's prayed for Michael's escape, and he asks her, "Why would she do such a thing?" And she says, "So I can kill him." And then she, he says, "Well, this was that was a terrible thing to pray for." It, it, it's lines like this, and and seeing how how Lori like uh, prepped herself uh, throughout the film that you have to ask yourself: Is Michael really the hunter in this film, or is it Lori? Because she seems just as badass as Michael. Yeah, I think more of this film, it's it's like. Lori is the hunter and and Michael is just not even like a scared prey like he is just yeah. a wild animal to be hunted at this point yeah uh, so after this uh, we, we cut back to Allison and she's left her boyfriend at the party and uh, her and her friend Oscar her friend Oscar is walking her home and Oscar ends up uh, he's been drinking and so he ends up uh, basically tell Allison, you know, how pretty he thinks she is and stuff and expressing his feelings for her. And then he ends up trying to uh, advance on her and she rejects his advances and causes him to sit down and be a, 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 a whiny butt. But uh, it, it is funny because he does say some funny things. He says, he says, girls are, girls were feeding me guacamole in really sexy ways. <laughs> I was like, What? He was like, it's not my fault. They were feeding me guacamole in sexy ways and dancing all over me. <laughs> I also, I will say this. This movie is, is very much a horror movie, but it does have those interestingly weird, funny moments. Yeah. Like like even the, the scene with the kid and then the babysitter. Yeah. He's like, I should be asleep. I'm, I'm over here clipping my nasty-ass toenails. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Julian. God, uh, I hope Julian's in, in Kills. 
Oh, he he better be in Kills. Julian just better kill Michael, okay? Just make <laughs> Julian the new final. Like, the, when everybody's, like, pulling weapons out, he just pulls out the nail clipper. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, Oscar sits down in, in Palace and throws a pity party, and he ends up spotting uh, Michael. He's in a yard with, like, a, a, a motion sensor light. And, uh, he thinks it's one of the neighbors, but of course it's it's not. Uh, and oh shit, I, I forgot to mention this earlier. Uh, one of the things I wanted to test Jr. on, uh, Jr. Whenever Lori shot Michael, uh, in the or shot at Michael when he was looking at the window, do you know who that was? Oh, uh, that was um Nick Castle. Exactly. Boom, Nick Castle, the original Michael Myers. If I'm not mistaken, I. I think that was his only scene in the film. Yeah. Well, he also does the breathing but, at the end of yes. the credits. But him being actually on camera, that was his only scene. Yeah. And he okay. was 70 years old playing playing Michael. Probably moves better than me at 33. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was Michael. So, oh, you passed that knowledge. Uh, go, go back to one of the things in the beginning because I, I skipped over it. Uh, Whenever Allison is in the classroom, when she's sitting in the desk and she looks out and she sees Lori, you hear a teacher. You don't see the teacher, but you hear her. Do you know who that is? So, I'm sorry, say one more time. Okay, uh, near uh, earlier in the film, when Allison is in class and she's sitting in her desk and she looks out the window, she sees Lori. And she's like in a class. You can hear a teacher talking, but you you never see the teacher. Do you know who the teacher is? No. PJ Souls, a Souls, who played uh, Linda in the original film. Hmm. That was a that was a girl that said totally all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was the one. He was uh, Bob's girlfriend, the one who. Yes. Yeah, the one who gets the awesome death where she's like laid out on the bed with Judas Myers' uh, tombstone. Nice. Yeah. She she broke the rule. No sex. Exactly. She That's did. the first rule. She did. <laughs> and then she tried to you know have sex with Michael unknowingly. But Michael and she was drinking. She broke and rules she one and two. Yeah. Michael was not having any, any of that shit. He, he he he. Michael's like Jason. He's a he's a moral killer. Uh, you don't be doing any of that any of that immoral shit. <laughs> 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 pretty much like like the the whole thing in Jason X like nothing wakes up Jason until these students start having like, I know right sex. he's like oh oh and what that's what wakes him up he's like oh shit premarital sex fuck it's on <laughs> but uh so so Oscar you know he's he realizes that that's not the neighbor that they they thought it was uh it's Michael he, he ends up trying to escape, but he ends up getting caught on a fence, and then Michael stabs him and then impales him on the fence. Really awesome fucking kill. Oh, God, yes. And honestly, I was kind of happy about this, because, come on, don't be a fucking weird, creepy dude, and definitely don't ever corner a girl and then advance on her. Like, that's just wrong. Yeah. But, uh... And then, and then, then you get this really awesome uh, music uh, score that was done by taking a, I think it was done by taking uh, a, a, a violin bow onto a guitar string, 
where Allison sees Michael for the first time, and then you have that you have that awesome sound. Yes, I was actually about to talk about that. That is probably my favorite uh, piece of music in the soundtrack. Yeah, just as like the the little like synth background for it, and then just like this like horrible just one yeah to it. yeah oh it's so good god it was so good it was great finally doing that 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 final that that final show, show off we've been waiting for between essentially possibly the future uh final girl versus michael finally seeing michael for the first time yeah but uh allison ends up getting chased by michael before she ends up finding refuge in a neighboring home uh, Lori, Karen, and Ray arrive at Lori's uh, home, uh, Lori's uh, home fortress, whatever you want to call it, and they wait for Allison to arrive as two officers are posted outside the house in their squad car. Uh, Hawkins and Dr. Sarton search for Michael, and in turn, they end up finding Allison. So they end up picking him, picking uh, Allison up and uh, on the way to... Uh, on the way over, they end up finding Michael, where Hawkins just fucking runs him over with the <laughs> SUV. Like, Don't worry, I got this. Yeah, and he just runs him over the SUV. And okay, here's the part where I um, uh, where I thought they were going a different route, and I almost walked out of the theaters. They hit Michael with the SUV. Hawkins gets out, and he goes to shoot Michael at point blank range. But Dr. Sarton is protesting not to, so Dr. Sarton stabs Hawkins in the fucking throat with a blade hidden inside of his pen. <laughs> and I was sitting there, I was like, wait, wait, they better not fucking do this. And then Dr. Sarton picks up Michael's fucking mask and he puts it on. I thought that they were going to have Michael dead and have Dr. Sarton taken over as Michael. I was sitting there, I was like, I swear to God, I'm going to keep watching this for a minute. And if Michael doesn't show up, I'm fucking walking out <laughs> if they do this. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy they didn't. I, I had a feeling that they wouldn't do it. I think it was just like this guy was just so obsessed with Michael at this point. Yeah, yeah, like he... he yeah, I, I didn't really think that, especially because like as soon as he did that, he just starts pulling him into the car. I'm like... Yeah, he pulls I, Michael into the car and then he even like says like weird shit where he's like saying like oh so this is what it feels like and yeah. it, it's like he's so obsessed with michael and wanting to study him to the point that he wants to become him and understand mm-hmm. that in his weird way of trying to understand michael yeah. but he, I, I do love his line when he when he does put michael into the car because he like kind of like pushes ass another way he's like make room for my patient yeah <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he does not fucking care about allison at all <laughs> but yeah he like uh yeah like whenever Whenever Michael finally wakes up, I literally audibly in the theater go, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was getting so worried. I was like, "Oh, please don't, please don't, please don't." <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Sarton kills uh, Hawkins. Well, I say kills Hawkins, and I wanted to talk about this. So apparently, fans were very pissed off about this. They did not want Hawkins to die. I, I haven't read anything. I don't know if it's been confirmed or not. I've seen them in trailers, but I heard that that was like more of like old flashbacks. Lori, uh, um, not Lori, uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis did post a picture on Instagram 
of a scene from Halloween Kills where she's in the hospital and you see Hawkins on a hospital bed and she's talking to him. So maybe Hawkins survived. Yeah, I'm thinking he might have survived, but he's just in like extremely critical care because he did get stabbed a few times. He got stabbed a few times and, and, and then he got run over got by a grand car. over by a fucking car. <laughs> yeah. This man is secretly the Michael Myers now. Like he does not die. Yeah. So like I guess fans were finally like, okay, uh they're like, okay, fine, yeah, yeah, we'll give you that. Now, the one thing I am glad I'm glad the fans didn't get did you, did y'all see where Halloween kills had there was a petition to remove the firefighter killing Jesus yes, I was like I saw that are like, you guys why? serious it's like we just saw the trailer what, what do you want them to do yeah like did you did you petition to not have Michael Myers kill nurses and doctors in Halloween yeah. too or something it, it, yeah I'll say this um because in in my estimation opinion, uh, people love firefighters if they're seen as in that. I mean, not that there's I 100% agree that they're essentially for the like warriors, they go into fires, they fight like they're the best version of public safety in in like the public opinion. I uh, yeah. that's why anytime you see them do like fundraisers, everybody's like going all crazy. Then there's also like the, the romanticizing of firefighters, of you know, like they're the sexiest you know individuals in the world. <laughs> And so, as you obviously, as we know, in the last, you know, number of years, you know, uh, police law enforcement is doesn't exactly have a best, the, a good reputation. Um, and there's no reason to talk about that. And then people, a lot of people don't like doctors and nurses uh, for a number yeah. of reasons, because they hate going to the doctor. It's just something about firefighters that it's like almost, it's like a 99.9% positivity rating they have. I'm waiting for uh, there to be a parody where, like, uh, there's like a parody petition of like babysitters saying take out the babysitting killings, <laughs> even though the original. Oh, I had some doozy babysitters as a kid. There's some, yeah, yeah I'm like even, yeah. Even though the uh, original name of the Halloween uh, of Halloween was going to be the babysitter murders, the uh, so after. Uh, Dr. Sarton puts uh, Michael in the uh, vehicle and stuff, and you know he's wearing his. He he he, uh, he ends up taking off the mask and throw it in the back, and uh, Michael ends up regaining a consciousness. And he 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 has the mask, but we get we don't really. He's not really moving, or it's like he's still. It's like he's still unconscious, but he's you know he's playing playing coy. Uh, uh, Dr. Sarton is driving Allison and Michael to Lori's house with the intent on re- reuniting them. And on the way there, uh, Michael ends up, uh, I mean, not Michael, Allison ends up, uh, uh, Dr. Sarton's telling Allison about how in all the years that he's worked with, that he's worked with Michael, he's never heard him utter, utter a word. And Allison says, oh, he talked to me. And he's like, what? Well, well, what did he say? You have to tell me. And she's like, well, stop the car and I will. And he like fucking. I like how quickly he believes her too. Yeah, yeah. Like, like how gullible is this fucking guy? He's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. He talked to you. Okay. And he like fucking slams on his brake and power slides uh, like this thing to a stop. He's like, what? He's like, what do you say? And then all of a sudden, Michael regain. Uh, Michael grabs his uh, grabs the mask, and you hear Allison go, 
fuck. And, and, and I guarantee you, Dr. Sartre probably think, wait, fuck? Fuck's what he said? Why did he say fuck? What did he say? Fuck. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, Michael fucking brutally kicks in the fucking squad car like cage uh, onto uh, Dr. Sartin like multiple times while the Sartin's like trying to get him to stop. And what's funny is that right before, while this is happening or like, uh, like right before this happening, that other squad car, <laughs> there is this hilarious conversation about fucking sandwiches and Oh my god! And one of the guys is like, "Well, yeah, well, I packed my own. I packed my own lunch. I don't need is like, you, you, you know, you know, that peanut butter sandwich sounds disgusting. I packed my own lunch. He's like, yeah, well, what'd you pack? And he's like, uh, homemade brownies. I made myself. Is like that sounds like something a five year old would bring <laughs> if they could pack their own lunch. And I, I felt personally attacked because I mean, I would pack a brownie. I don't know why. <laughs> Well, yeah, the, that whole conversation with the uh, sandwiches were fucking hilarious. But uh, we're just going to get to one of my favorite kills. Uh, uh, Michael ends up dragging uh, Dr. Sartin out of the vehicle, throws him on the ground, and he fucking stomps his head in. Yes. That, actually, that that is my, my favorite kill of the movie. Yeah. I was so happy when this happened. I was like, oh, thank God. Dr. Loomis wannabe and Michael Myers, uh, you know, wannabe. Yeah, is dead finally. I was like, oof. Like, thank God that didn't happen. But yeah, but he when he did that, that was it's so good. I've I've seen people complain about this kill. I've seen people say like it was uh it 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 it, it ruined it for him because it made Michael seem to have superhuman strength, but. I don't think okay. I'm sorry, but if you're somebody who like weighs like you know over 200 pounds, and you with all your force stomp on someone's face, pretty sure it's gonna do close to what happened in this film. I don't see things supernatural about it. Yeah, it's, it's I mean especially when it's like up, you know against asphalt. Yeah, against asphalt. There's nowhere. Yeah, or, like, and, there's nothing and, to stop it. And he's fucking wearing boots as well. Yeah. I yeah, I mean the other thing too is Michael. Um maybe superhuman strength, maybe, you know, which we saw that he's unstoppable force, but it's I mean, Dr. Sartan is like a 75, 80 year old man. Yeah. And he's on the ground, and Michael, who is you know, as we've seen just in general, is a strong man. You yeah, I mean it's like they say it takes eight pounds of pressure to break a human to break a nose. I mean, yeah, and so I'm sure that with as much force as he could generate, you know, I'll put it this way: there are people that I've seen in martial arts that look like they can like they cannot break a pencil, break a cinder block that is a large, stronger, and durable um, than you know what it would be a school with their bare hand your legs are the strongest part of your body so in that motion with a boot yeah i i don't think it'd be an yeah, issue it's, it's perfectly doable like it's okay now there, it's, it's very possible that that could happen yeah, yeah it's very <laughs> Jesus, possible it's not doable. So, like i don't see <laughs> like i just think people were just finding something to complain about because i don't see anything uh anything suspension of disbelief for this kill yeah 
Yeah, I, I know many of the critics of this film, when it comes to the plot, they, they do tend to go after that whole section with Sartain because the only reason he did what he did is just to get him to Laurie's house. So they could just, like, kind of just push him over into, like, that area so they could they could have, like, the final confrontation. Like, it, it, it didn't yeah. do anything plot-wise other than to get Michael there. Yeah. And so after Michael kills... Uh, Dr. Sarton, uh, Allison flees on foot uh, through the woods and everything uh, where she ends up finally uh, getting to Lori's house and uh, Ray, uh, her dad, stepped outside for to offer coffee to the police officers who are outside and he ends up finding them dead and one of them, oh my god I love one of the one of the way he'd look uh, JR won't uh, JR won't know it but Yusuf, I was wondering if you uh, on your rewatch picked up on the same thing I did. Did this not look like one of the scenes from Case Files? Oh yeah, it looks like the final room in Case Files. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. Like when you when the guy opens up the portal and, you, and he's, he's got his eyes and his mouth all lit up. I was like, oh yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, when I was watching, I was like, that looks like the guy at the end of Case Files. Yeah, as soon as I watched and rewatched this, as soon as I went through Case Files uh, with you uh, on, on the first night, I saw that and I was like, hey, that reminds me of the Halloween 2018 uh, kill that reminds me of that one kill but dude, i love the way he did it he basically like beheaded this guy and pretty much hollowed out his head and stuck a flare in his head to where he's basically a uh human jack-o'-lantern human jack-o'-lantern yeah <laughs> it, 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 it is a great visual i think i think you should say this earlier real quickly so the the two cops um i think in the movie they are known as officer rogers uh, played by Charlie Benson and Officer Francis, played by Christopher Allen Nelson. What made this their uh, action, their interaction, and their scene so amazing is Christopher Allen Nelson, who played Officer Francis. He was actually he's a makeup guy, and for the film, and is that other films such as Kill Bill, Pirates of the Caribbean, Sin City, Spider Man. Uh, Officer Richards, played by Charlie Benson. He's actually a real life police officer that was doing the like he was like the police expert uh, on the set and had them, you know, be the cops in this scene. And some people were saying, you know, they were kind of saying how the this is like the best interaction they've seen, like with two pairs of cops in, you know, in almost any horror movie, because most of the time in horror movies, they have cops here. They're just either a pure asshole or pure comedic relief. There was, um, I think James A. Janice, for example, gave an illustration like in comparison about look how great threes were and look how those two bumbling cops in Halloween Five. Jeez, with the friggin' clown music and everything like that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! But after Ray finds them dead, Michael appears behind Ray and is up strangling him, and I think he's up like didn't he snap his neck with a chain, or or he strangles him with the chain or something like that. Uh, I think he, yeah, I think he like strangles him, but then like right at the end, you can hear the neck crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He pretty much like breaks the neck. And I, I was really sad about this death because I, I, I really liked Ray. He, he, he was a great character, and I don't, I didn't see anything bad he did. And he honestly seemed like a really good dad to, to Allison. And he also, and he also had like funny comedy parts as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of those, like, even though he wasn't really in the movie doing much, when he did, you know, get killed off, you're like, oh. Yeah, like, uh, 
like at the beginning, whenever you're first introduced to him, and he gets peanut butter, he's like, oh, I got peanut butter on my penis. Fucking, <laughs> 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 fucking Ray. It's like the most dad thing, too, because like, he, no. like the way he says it, he's like, oh, I got peanut butter on my penis. Tie it to you, Yusuf. You're the Ray of the group. Definitely me. Oh no! Yes, yeah, Jr. Yusuf is our is our resident dad of our friend group. Uh, like uh, uh, when everybody was hanging out in Florida, uh, he, he's pretty much the essential dad of the group. While uh, while Cece and Cat are the mom of the group. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, Lori ends up alert alerting uh Karen to Michael's arrival and she sends her into the hidden safe room and oh man dude I love the way they do this this like counter just moves out of the way and there's just this this hidden like safe room in the basement bunker (laughs) thing in the basement yeah uh Michael ends up breaking to the house but uh Lori ends up uh shooting him with a fucking uh shotgun like blowing like some of his fingers off and it, it, it's it's weird too because it's like uh, he 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 obviously like jumped back but like he didn't say anything like this guy takes so much fucking pain and doesn't say a fucking thing or have yeah. any sort of evidence that it hurt him. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's interesting too, um, you know, in here he gets two or it's either two or three of his fingers just blown off. Yeah, I think it's uh, two. Cause I think and... I've seen three on the pictures yeah. of him with the bandages and and that's like what i was about to mention the fact that you you know now you notice that he put bandages on so like you've never really seen him do anything to like yeah heal himself in any way yeah he's like and this is the first time he's done it so like you can tell that maybe something something is different this time yeah well he's said to be 61 in this film jeez yeah michael 61 he moves. He's, uh, he's moving around like he's you know thirty. Yeah, he moves. He moves great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it, uh, him and Lori uh, end up having a, a bit of a fight. Uh, and Allison arrives as Lori and Michael stab each other, and which witnesses uh, uh, Lori fall from the balcony. And I love this part because she pulls a switcheroo on him. She pulls a, a helm on him where. Uh, Michael looks over the balcony after she falls to this and she's gone. And then he has this like weird look like, oh, so that's how that feels. <laughs> it's like that scene in Dark Knight Rises yeah. where, he's, where he's talking to Catwoman and she just disappears. He's like, so that's what that feels like. Yeah. It, 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 that's what Michael was like, oh, so that's what I've been doing to people. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine he's like, you know what? That does look pretty badass. Yeah, and uh, while the, when that happened, Alice ends up making her way into the safe room with uh, with Karen, who that ends up alerting Michael. Uh, as he appears, uh, Karen shoots him with a rifle and stuns him. And I love this because literally Karen is like, is saying, "Oh, she can't do it, she can't do it," and she's acting really well. And then all of a sudden, Michael appears and she goes, "Gotcha!" and then shoots him. I was like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> See, that's why Ray had to die because she he was holding back Karen. Oh, oh, was it? Oh, is that why? Yes. Okay. He was just gonna get in the way anyways. Like he, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't trade someone with a potato gun. 
as Bert would, I, 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 I'll go back to my Bert homage. As Bert would say in Trimmers, I wouldn't give you a gun if it was World War Three. <laughs> oh, he honestly might have done more damage with the potato gun. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And after she stuns him, uh, Mako ends up uh, uh, falling back, and and you see like some shadows in a corner. And I love this because Lori literally pulls it where where we were used to seeing Lori up against the corner, and then Michael's masking the thing. But in this one, it's opposite. We see Michael in the corner, and Lori's face comes out from the shadows. Like once again, then that Lori's the real hunter in this movie. And uh, Lori appears in the shadows, and she attacks Michael, and she ends up sending him tumbling down the steps into the safe room. And Karen and Allison end up leaving the safe room. Uh, Michael regains consciousness and he ends up grabbing Karen's ankle. But Allison stabs Michael with his own knife and they escape the room where Lori flips a switch and metal bars spring into place, barricading the exit and trapping Michael in the safe room as it fills with gas. And uh, Karen ends up telling uh, Allison that it's not a uh, it's not a prison. It's a trap. And yes, yeah. Uh, but, but before we get to this ending, uh, one thing I forgot to mention was uh, when Alice, when Lori and Michael are fighting, there's a part where they go into a room where there's a bunch of mannequins and stuff, and Michael's hiding in the closet when Lori's uh, trying to find him. I don't know if you know this, uh, Yusuf, but so the one thing John Carpenter stepped in and did, uh, probably a good thing he did this. Originally, they were going to recreate the ending to, to Halloween 1978 just to open the film where they were going to have Loomis shoot Michael, but then Michael was going to get was gonna, uh, uh, get back up and he was going to kill Loomis. And they even recreated the set. So this room uh, that they, uh, they ended up recreating the, the set for that thing, but since they didn't film the scene, they, they still used it for this final battle. Uh, the room that that happened in is an exact replica of the room from the 78 room. I did notice that. I was like, yeah. something like feels familiar about this. Like, yeah, especially because you can see that, that kind of little deck area right outside. Yeah. But so I was like, yeah, it's, it looks how, very how, similar. If not, you know, almost exactly the same. Yeah. How, how would you have felt if they would have opened the film up like that? We're killing Loomis. Um, honestly, I, I wouldn't have minded it, but at the same time, I, I kind of like the fact that you you kind of get to hear Loomis in, in archival form where yeah. he's talking about like kind of like his audio diaries talking about Michael and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. So oh yeah, I think I, I think I would have preferred if they didn't do it. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's what they were gonna open up with it, uh, which I'm glad they didn't. But yeah, uh, that was the one thing John Carpenter stepped in and said. Nah, y'all just do your own thing. Don't do that. <laughs> but uh, the 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 room that Michael's in, it's uh, starts filling up with gas. Lori lights a flare and she tosses it through the bars set in the room, and Michael ablaze. And Michael is just staring at her the entire time. Does not fucking care at all that Man, everything's on fire. He's just staring at her. He's basically giving her like a oh when I get out of here, cool when I get out of here. You're gonna get it. <laughs> can you? Oh my god! Can you imagine Michael Myers as like a wrestling persona? <laughs> so Yusuf, I I don't know how much you're familiar with, but in two separate territories, in Memphis, with when Jerry Lawler was booking, 
and then uh, this hardcore deathmatch promotion in Japan called Wing. They used to bring in characters that were dressed like Jason and Freddy and Leatherface <laughs> and have matches. Oh, that's amazing. So if you actually, especially Wing, if you like Google like Jason versus Freddy, like, you know, deathmatch, like you would see like footage from like the early 90s of these guys, of these horror characters just having these like bloody matchups of them being a crap by each other with weapons. Oh, that's amazing. I got I got to watch those then. <laughs> yeah. But so after this happens, the whole house catches on fire and Lori, Karen and Allison escape as the house is, you know, engulfed in flames. They hitch a ride in the back of a pickup truck that's coming down the road. How convenient. And <laughs> the uh, Michael's body is nowhere to be seen. And the three women embrace as they're taken to safety. And it's cool. We get like a little bit of a, a reminiscence of one of the sequels that they ignored where uh, Allison is holding Michael's knife uh, and it, it zooms in on that and closes out like, with that. And in the credits, uh, if you listen, you can hear Michael breathing in the credits and that's Nick Castle. Yeah. And yeah, that's I like that. that. I, like, I like that they added that. Yeah. And that closes out Halloween 2018. But as we know, since we're going to go see the sequel, I'm going to see the sequel tomorrow and you're going to see the sequel uh, later on this week, uh, obviously, Michael escaped. Yeah. So, yeah. I, uh, I, wait, I wait he, he escaped? <laughs> <laughs> wait, no. his name was Michael? <laughs> wait, it's not Dr. Sart? I thought he was the one in the mask. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, any, uh, any final thoughts? I mean, I... I would say that this movie is a very good representation of updating what made the original such an icon yeah while also you know like i said updating it for the modern age so a lot of the times people when people go to see horror movies now especially something like slashers like halloween and the new friday the 13th and that kind of stuff people want blood and guts people want gore yeah the original 1970 halloween doesn't have a whole lot of that so it's something that if they did something similar with very minimal blood and gore or, or that type of violence, it would it would bomb terribly. Yeah. So like one of the big things that they did to update it was like, you know, pile on the bodies, make it bloody, make it gory, and I think part of that is is what's really effective to me. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, one of the things that I read about was okay, so apparently. Uh, test audiences and a leaked script came out and test audiences uh, reported that uh, the original ending that they saw was a lot different. There was apparently a shorter fight between Lori and Michael and instead of him ended up with the house, house catching on fire and him trapping in the house it ends up with uh, uh, it ends up with uh, Michael, Lori ends up trying to shoot Michael, but because uh, they're having a fight like outside where the, the mannequins are outside, uh, where we saw her training uh, earlier in the film, uh, and uh, Lori runs out of bullets, and so she ends up taking uh, Michael's knife and she gets to a knife fight. Uh, uh, well, she gets a, her own knife and Michael has his knife, and they get into a knife fight. 
which uh, she cuts him in the arm the same way that uh, he cut her. He cut her forty years ago, and she manages to stab. Uh, he manages to stab her in the chest, and he's about to stab her again. But Karen shoots him in the back with a crossbow, which uh, wounds him. And then while uh, her and Allison are carrying Lori away, she's begging them to go back and kill him. Uh, wounded Michael goes into the woods and then ends up at the clearing uh, near Lori's house. And he sits where the mannequins are down against a tree, heavily breathing. And it's implied by the script that he uh, slowly is uh, finally slowly dying. Hmm. Interesting. But, you know. It's interesting. I w- and it's curious because, like, now. If they were to go with that ending, excuse me, that ending, and feed that directly into Halloween Kills, like, this time Michael is the one that's being hunted, like, for real, where he's the wounded animal and people yeah. are coming after him, especially, like, this whole town is has decided to go the Frankenstein route and just gotten the, you know, the torch and pitchfork, uh, pitchforks and yeah. just forming a, a, you know, an angry mob to hunt him down and, like, now he's going to be on the run. Yeah, that's Sure. That would have that would been really interesting to see, like to see Michael be vulnerable, vulnerable pretty much for the first time in his life. Be a very weird thing. Oh yeah, very weird. I don't know if you uh, heard us earlier. We was making jokes earlier, uh, 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 but uh, when we saw him out, whenever Michael kills, uh, just heard. Whenever Michael kills Vicky's uh, boyfriend Dave, and he stabs her, he stabs him with a knife, and he hangs him on the wall. We were joking, like, I wonder if Michael pulled out a stud finder to try and find the stud before hanging him on the wall. And then Jr. was like, "No, I think uh, I think Michael had carpeting skills, so he was probably like knocking on the on the wood, to, and he knocks on the wood to find the stud." <laughs> I was like, I need like a robot chicken or a family guy or some kind of dude parody sketch where Michael's, before he hangs body, he's like knocking, trying to find the stud. Just trying to find the stud, just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, that's uh, Halloween 2018. Really easily. Yeah. Like they just add like a little tool belt to him. Yeah. <laughs> easily like one of the... Oh, one of my favorite horror sequels for sure and uh it, it's weird it's like okay so, so like with the five different timelines what timelines do y'all prefer uh honestly with me i mean i know we haven't seen the other two but just seeing the direction that it seems to be going i think i prefer this timeline yeah this timeline is very very good it's it's very strong i i like the direction it's been going so far um, but for me, mostly on the, um, I guess on like a bias level, I, I've always liked the, uh, the Halloween, you know, like, uh, starting like the, the timeline featuring four or five and, and six. I don't know why, cause uh, you know, those movies aren't terrific. They're not great by any standard, but they're entertaining to me. Yeah. So I, I always have a soft spot for that one. I mean, and Daniel Harris. And Daniel Harris, yes. Right, yeah. Uh, JR, what, what's your favorite timeline so far? Uh, it's obviously Susan the Witch, right? Oh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
Kyle, I'm guessing this is JR's version of the shed. Oh yeah. Yeah, JR <laughs> JR hates season the witch. Hates um which it's oh god, it's tough because it's because the thing is I love H2O, um, with the exception of the few issues with masks of that movie. Oh god. And, and then uh yeah, I, I love twenty eighteen, but I love Doctor Loomis, so it's like uh I probably would go with one, two, four, five, six because I get so much Doctor Loomis and I think I enjoy half of them very much. You know, I, I love obviously the original. I uh, enjoy two and uh, especially four. I think four is probably before before um twenty eighteen. Uh, the Return of Michael Myers was my favorite sequel. Yeah. Um, I just love Jamie Lloyd. I love Doctor Loomis. Um, oh yeah, I mean, Daniel Harris is great. But and so um, man, I, I loved Rachel. Like Rachel was amazing. It it killed me what happened to her in five. I was like, you turned her yeah. from this amazing, like you know, basically like to me, it felt like a newer version of Laurie Strode to a dumb ditzy, you know, person that gets killed in thirty yeah. seconds. Yeah, yeah, that was very disappointing. Um, but yeah, I just think because of the fact of of Jamie Lloyd and four and Doctor Loomis, you know, being in there, and I, you know, there's three of the films that I enjoy very much. I probably picked that timeline. Yeah. That's, a, that's a tough one though it's a good timeline though but yeah i i do like one of the things i also really like about that timeline is it's essentially just seeing loomis go like his mental decline as yeah. these movies go on i shot him six times especially by like you know by the end of four where he's just like whatever fuck this kid now because yeah that's what's gonna happen next oh yeah uh, Jamie uh, Jamie Lee Curtis said that uh, whenever she was filming the uh, with with uh, David Gordon Green, she said uh, it, it felt like when she was filming with uh, Carpenter on the original that she immediately hit it off with him. I like that. That's that's a, that's definitely a good sign of of the future of oh yeah this trilogy. That's what you want to hear. You never want to hear. Uh, I fucking hate the director. I'm only here for a paycheck. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, so that's it. That was Halloween 2018. Uh, we do, uh, we'll do out of five uh, pumpkins. Uh, Houston, since you're a guest, uh, we'll let you start. Out of five pumpkins, what would you rate this? Um, I, I, would, I would give this a four and a half out of five pumpkins. Good call. Good call. Yeah, like because it. like, I'm I'm very nitpicky, so like I know there are certain things I don't particularly like, like, and it, like I said, it's very nitpicky. Like there's the like the scene where um, where Andy or where Allison falls into like the the clearing where all the mannequins are, and they just kind of drag into like just completely zooming in on a bunch of mannequins. I'm like, all right, that's enough of that. Like, stop zooming in on mannequins. Keep yeah. going. Like oh, I yeah. want to go back to the Lori versus Michael fight. The the one thing I really didn't like as well, besides the Doctor Sarton stuff, uh, but but this part was was cut out of the original. The, the original script had more of this, and apparently, I think I've seen him in the trailer. It looks like they might be revisiting this line. Uh, I wanted the the boyfriend Cameron because him being shitty. I wanted him to get killed, but nothing happened to him. I was like, "Well, that's fucking shitty. That's gonna happen to the shitty guy." It turns out apparently there was supposed to be a redemption art for him, 
where oh, he like, kind of like like Steve from Stranger Things. I think so, yeah. But like he he mm-hmm. he was supposed to have like a, a redemption arc, and apparently there was I don't know if there's some deleted scenes on this one that 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 uh, go more into it. But I've heard that they may uh, go back and explore and and do more of that in Halloween Kills. So apparently I, he's gonna have yeah. a redemption arc. I can kind of see that, especially because in one of the trailers, you do see him, you know, taking up weapons to go fight Michael. Yeah. So, like, I can see that, you know, he's kind of but man, know, he's not realizing that he was an asshole and, like, all right, I got to oh, I gotta redeem myself. Yeah. And then a lot of redemption, man. Not only, yeah. not only did he kiss another girl in front of his girlfriend, he put <laughs> her phone in nacho cheese. Like, what a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I do love the fact that he's technically Lonnie's kid. Yeah, from, yeah, he's Lonnie's kid. Halloween. Yeah, and I love that Lonnie's going to be in this movie. And did you know that he's going to be played by the same actor who played uh, Joe Collie in Midnight Mass? Oh shit! You know that's why a... he looks so different too? Because he's completely clean shaven in this. Oh wow! That's... So you would barely recognize him. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that I can't wait to see about in the movie tomorrow is all the different people coming back from the like all the different characters we're going to see back from the original. Like Tommy Doyle's gonna be back, and everybody, uh, you know, I, I wish Daniel Harris would have found a way to do it, but they would have made uh, they uh, she wanted to, but they uh, turned her down because they said it wouldn't make sense because they were ignoring the sequels. I think they could have found a way to have her in there somewhere. Yeah, just like be a like a random citizen or something. Yeah, like not not necessarily like Jamie Lloyd or anything, but just yeah. like any random citizen of, of Haddonfield. But it's gonna be great, man, just seeing everybody back mm-hmm. and it's essentially like the survivors of Michael are teaming yeah. up. Yeah, I remember when I first saw the trailer I was like, this is like the Avengers ending. Yeah, the, yeah it's the Halloween. Avengers. <laughs> yeah, it's the Avengers Lori's uh, uh also the portal's gonna pop up and Lori's gonna be like on your right <laughs> <laughs> Lori's actually Captain America. Yeah, yeah. Lori's Captain America. Tommy Doyle comes and everybody. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that. Though four and a half is a good, good score. Uh, Jr. Uh, I'm. I'll, let me toss it to you, Kyle, uh, first, and then I'll give mine so that so we could put a bow on this. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with four out of five. Uh, like I said, uh, one of my favorite sequels. Uh, I think this is. Oh, this is. Probably my second favorite in the series, right behind the original. Uh, it's like it's tied up there with Halloween, with Halloween two. It's like uh, Halloween nineteen seventy eight, Halloween twenty eighteen, and Halloween two. But uh, yeah, really great. I love how brutal Michael is. I love that they. Uh, I love that they went away from the Michael uh, Lori sister storyline, and instead it's just basically Michael. It's just kill. It's just a he no rhyme reason embodiment of evil killing machine, and it, I I feel that, that makes it scarier that he's after them for no fucking reason. That there's there's no reason for him to be after them. It makes it more terrifying. But yeah, he just really great movie, uh, really great sequel. Looking forward to seeing where the rest of of this uh, series goes. Uh, I'm gonna go with yeah four out of five. Uh, for me, I'm actually uh, will give it a four and a half out of five. I think it's an amazing sequel. There's so much to love about it. Some things that knock it down a pick for me is the whole sequence of Doctor Zartan. I just really don't think he's necessary and wasn't needed. I actually enjoyed um, the uh, deputy played by um, was it William Hurst was his name. 
I think so. I think that was his name, yeah. What, uh, I've loved that dude from the first time I saw Remember the Titans because he played Coach Yost in Remember the Titans. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did. Yeah, that, that was so just like a personal bad. heartbreak that I thought, you know, knowing that he may still be alive is actually like great for me because, oh, excuse me, not William Hurst, Will Patton's his name, Deputy Frank Hawkins um, is what his name. And I love it. The Punisher was another film I loved him in. So, yeah. But other than that, I mean, there was just so much. I mean, from the violence to Michael being a remorseless killer, um, so many good cinematography, the spe- you know sound effects, the score, just tremendous. You know, they really, really did, my opinion, right the wrongs of a lot of the previous sequels in the sense of like getting this franchise back on track. So I'm excited to see where we're going with this tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. But I will say this though: one of the things I I kind of would have liked to see more of. Something that Halloween Four got a hundred percent right the the you know like the the classic Halloween Fall vibe. No, that's true. You know what? I agree with what you're saying because um, it just it felt very like urban, like urban city, yeah. and then all of a sudden it was just like city, 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 nightfall. Oh, people, kids are trick or treating, and then that was it. That's how it felt. Yeah, yeah I would have liked to see more of like the Halloween aspect of it. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, they did a better job in Halloween one. When you think of you think of the yeah. fact is they did in Pasadena, California, where there's not a single in the summer where there's no trees and just pine except uh, palm trees. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that concludes our uh, review of Halloween 2018. As we're recording this on Wednesday, and this will drop Friday, uh, October 15th. Yusuf, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, please let our, our listeners know where they can find you and your podcast at. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it's great. Uh, this, this was a lot of fun. Uh, but for my podcast, uh, it is called Sounds from the Grave, and I run it with my co-host, Vanya. And we talk pretty much all things horror, horror-related. Um, like our last month we did, HHN month, where we talked about uh, the movies and IPs that were featured at this year's Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando. And this month, we're actually running an entire month based around Evil Dead. So we're doing uh, Evil Dead 1, 2, Army of Darkness, and the 2013 remake. Um, and yeah, we so for our socials, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sounds from the Grave. And then we also have our podcast, which is on pretty much any available platform because we use Anchor. So it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you can get podcasts at. that that is amazing uh once again uh, thank you for joining us uh any last words kyle uh looking forward to halloween kills and uh i really hope that they find a way to uh bring in uh the one of the best uh films in the franchise uh halloween three season the witch I think I need a new co-host. Anyways, um, so that wraps it up for us this week. Uh, once again, thank you for everybody for joining us. Uh, if you please, if you get to this point, I hope you listen to uh, watch Halloween 2018 before you see Halloween Kills. It is hitting theaters everywhere um, by now, by the time you hear this, uh, or on Peacock. I definitely recommend seeing the movie theaters to get that movie to your experience. And then... Uh, replaying it a thousand times on peacock after the fact so um 
that is it for us and we must bid you adieu goodbye good night and remember every day is halloween <laughs>